You're listening to The Virus. The Ron and Fez Show starts... Now. Okay, let's get down to it, boppers. Oh, buddies, it's the Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Ron Bennington, Fez Watley, Chris Stanley. Hi. Oh, hello. All sitting with you. Since you said hello, I'm going to pull Big Fed Watley into the show right off the uh, bat today. Uh, Fezzy, what's on your mind? This Lopez Tonight being canceled. The George Lopez Show. Now, I thought Mario Lopez was canceled. No, Mar- Mario Lopez is fine. Have you ever seen Mario Lopez's show? I would not fucking classify that as fine. <laughs> He's normally standing in a courtyard with strangers who stand next to him. Well, the five people around him seem to be enjoying it. I don't think that they even get to see the video. No. No, they have no clue what's going on. But what I do like about that show is that he's constantly thanking people who threw it back to him. <laughs> yeah, come on. Uh, so, George Lopez. Now, is the show off the air as of right now, or did they set an end date? Tonight is the last night. Oh, now i got to watch it. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> right in time. Uh, who is his final guest? Cheech? Uh, I will find out. Carlos because I like when, like... From what I saw from the commercials, he rocked the Hispanic fucking vote, right? Oh, yeah, they love him. Can't get all the best, but I guess they did get enough of him. I wish that he was with J-Lo, and then she would be J-Lo-Lo. Oh, wow. That'd freak everybody out. Or is that her, is that her sister? Are they related to Lopez's? Possibly. Right, Fez is over at Late Night Lineups. See, this, I would not... Ex- all right, Zito, think he had... Go ahead, Zito. Yeah, the last guests are Eva Longoria, Benjamin Bratt, Ron Artest, Slash, and Russell Peters. All right, we're fucking going out strong, dudes. Cram them in there. Now, Fez, what did you have on your thing? Because I think yours might have been from, hey, we think that we're just doing another Thursday night, where he's probably calling out the big guns. And I hope they do the thing where everybody take a piece of the set home with them. I want the coffee mug. Believe me, this show is done, but you'll see me again. <laughs> Oddly enough, I had Mario Lopez. As what? As a uh, final guest. Yeah, that got shit-canned as soon as they knew what was happening. Peace out, Slater. And it's a very smart move on all those people, because they know that this will be the one show everybody loves. Everyone loves the first show. Everybody loves the goodbye show. I love the goodbye show even more than the fucking first show because I just want to see if I I always want to want to see like a crazy meltdown where they know it's over so they just fucking lose their shit. Go out with a fifteen minute free bird. <laughs> Star studded. Fezzy, yes, you had a point about this. Yes, this was. Uh, you know where is Conan taking the heat for this? George Lopez got Leno'd. Um, well, it it came up because 
Conan isn't exactly, there is no heat around them right now. No. Conan going to uh, TBS kind of showed that what he was was the NBC guy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's not, it seems like who's ever had the gig behind The Tonight Show has had nice ratings <laughs> and a fun time and a wacky show and could get away with anything. Stay. Yeah. Just stay there. Jimmy Fallon. He knows. They're already talking about Jimmy Fallon being the heir apparent. Oh. And if I was him, I'd be saying to my fucking agent, do we want me to take a show for six months and be gone? Why don't I just hang out here and do the show I like to do? Change everything about the fucking thing. Can't do the stuff he can't want to do. No. Um, Before Jay decides he wants to come back again. Uh, here's Louie. You're on running Fez. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I just wanted to mention the Fez. Um, I think it was... Um Actually, George Lopez's idea to have Conan sure it was. Uh, come in front of him. Sure it was. Just because he agreed with it and went on the air and pushed it. Remember, it was also Jay Leno was very happy to be leaving. 10 o'clock, man. Yeah, this is great. Uh, I'm glad in five years I'm going to hand this over and I feel like I've done everything I want. And inside he was steaming. <laughs> and then later did the interviews of, I was just trying to be nice. I lied to you all. Oh, yeah. George Lopez is like, this is going to be a great lead-in or whatever. The biggest mistake uh, Conan made was not getting pushed back to 12 o'clock and then using that time just to drop cinder blocks on Jay Leno's fucking head all night acting like, well, we're the Tonight Show, but we're on tomorrow. And just, it would have made Jay Leno look like... A fucking asshole, but now everyone's just like, I forget what whatever we cared about. Yeah. That whole Team Cohen yeah, thing fucking... was just a way of yelling back against the man. It had nothing to do with anything in reality. Just people bored on the internet, make a nice sign, and could post it. Then the other thing, and you remember me saying this before, I, I think Conan really needed to go over and break what a talk show looked like when he went to TBS. Instead, he's got the stupid desk. The couch, the backdrop, the band, everything looks the fucking same as if he stayed. And I don't think anyone gives a shit about that. The only shows that look different are the Comedy Central shows. Yes, Colbert and fucking Stewart are the only ones doing anything different, being weird as they possibly can. And it's the fucking thing that works because we already have enough shows with desk and couch. Yeah. We already have enough of the formal shows and the weird thing is, Tom Hanks goes on every one of them. <laughs> when Tom Hanks had that fucking movie oh, the, coming out. Shit, oh, yeah. Uh, me and Julia Roberts Have No Money, I think I'm was the name of going it. Going back to college. But, um, yeah, like we supposed to worry about, <laughs> oh, I hope these two are going to be okay. But the fact is, he went on every show that there was like that. Still, people didn't show up for it. No, you know? no, no, no. I don't no know if case. any of those shows, I know people probably have on Letterman. I don't know, and Leno and all that, but it's kind of so drummed in now that there's so many of them that I don't know how much attention that you pay. It's days. it's the if it's a big star interview, I mean, if you almost turn your brain off, and because it's just you, you know they're gonna go through the fucking routine, they're gonna go through the same fucking routine they've done twenty times. Not only do do we turn our brain off, but Leno turns <laughs> yeah, off his. He yeah. doesn't give a fuck. He's like. Yeah, I understand. Uh, he's got a piece of paper. I understand something happened to your cat on the plane. Looks like and, I got a clip. You know, there's some fucking fake story. You know, those guys, I swear to God, if you watch 
Letterman pays a little more attention, but you know they only care about the first half hour of their show. Yeah, the monologue and their fucking bit or whatever. Why don't they all just do half hour shows then, if that's what they fucking want? Um, and Conan's got to be wondering if he's next. One of the reasons besides the ratings is TBS said Lopez Tonight is too expensive yes. to keep producing. Yes. I mean, how expensive is it to get Ava Longoria in there? Very expensive to put on these fucking shows. It's a live show. A huge staff. With staff and insurance and fucking satellite time. Instead of just playing two and a half men like they're hey, going to fucking do. It, it's very fucking expensive to do those shows. Tony, you're on my first. Yeah, Ronnie, what is George Lopez's show getting canceled for? A bad joke? Again, what is comedy coming to? I don't even know what that fucking means. I don't know. He's not canceled for any controversial reasons. They moved him back. He's now, you know, there's like 10 of these fucking late night shows. Everybody's saying fucking crazy shit. Um, Pete in Philly, you're on my first. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start out by saying I think Jay Leno is the antichrist of comedy. He's all... That is so last year, dude. I, that is so Team I, Coco. Yeah, hey, that's been the last ten years, man. TC. Like, he sucks. He feels bad. But all anyway, that stuff, I just, I, what, you can say was, that as many times as you want. The fact of the matter is, people tune to him. There's a lot of people... Around the country. I was going to say in the middle of the country, but it's true of the coast. Yeah. That just put that show on and kind of have that late night conversation with each other in bed. Yeah. Kids are doing good, hon. And, you know, in a couple of months, we'll have this MasterCard thing away from us. And then we'll start putting away money. And we're going to go to the Ray Caverns next summer. You watch. Ooh. You know, and then they you drift think? off and they feel comfortable that Jay's not on there doing anything that's going to fucking freak them out or weird them out. You should, though. Just once. Just and never acknowledge. There's not going to be some thick cock joke that <laughs> fucking throws them off. It's all going to be nice and comfortable. Jay knows that Jay could probably do uh, the edges fucking show in the world if he wanted to. He just says, what do these people want? And I'll uh, bring it to him. It's not that big a deal. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's on there or what they're doing. Oprah left her show and everyone's like, it's going to be so nuts without Oprah. It's not. Daytime TV, no! It's, it's not weird. And when fucking that, when Leno was moving around, and this, it was only something for gossip, but no one really cared about it. It was no different than if you were talking about, I don't know, whoever somebody's dating. I guess Brad Pitt left one person and went to another person. That was Sexy. Then they were both wearing the same dress. Oh my God. It's just nonsense talk. But the best thing is, and nobody went to see this, was Conan's documentary. Yeah. Because you could see he's about as far from nice guy as could be. <laughs> he's literally one of us. <laughs> he's ah! as evil That's awesome. as anyone on this uh, radio station. <laughs> um, here is uh, John, North Carolina, your manifest. Buddies, how you doing? Good. I've got a bit of a dilemma here, Ronnie. You can help me out. Okay. Um, been buying weed from the same guy for about three or four years, and he hasn't had any in about a week. So should I go look somewhere else or just hang in there with him? Uh, well, is he going to be offended if you go somewhere else? He might be. 
I mean, it doesn't it doesn't feel like this is a comfortable relationship for you. Oh, it's really comfortable. I just don't want the next time, you know, when I want one fronted, he'll say, well, remember last time when you left me uh, high and dry and found somebody else? Can't you do this secretly without him knowing? Uh, you know you know the circle. Ronnie, they're tight. Go outside the circle. You can't have your girlfriend fucking call somebody or, like Hicks said, reach hey, outside the circle? How much weight I mean, are you buying? First if you of need all, to... if this guy's fronting you or you can call him at 1 o'clock in the morning, you do have to have some amount of loyalty here. Oh, yeah. That's what I wanted to hear. I'll hang in there with him and toss it out. In, in life, treat him like he's a friend, even though he makes you feel fucking weird. <laughs> Whenever you walk in there and he talks about God knows what. Yeah, and then goes like this. You want to smoke a joint before you go, and you know you don't want to with this fucking guy because you don't know who's coming through the door. Mm -hmm. And he just—he's just so weird. You can't deal with him. And he's fucking, so fucking strange and uncomfortable. Breaks out this fucking book of drawings that he's done. And there's unicorns on there and fucking steps that go off into the space. Check out my aquarium. That's what one guy told me once. Oh no, I hate it. I hate anyone. <laughs> That fucker wants to get high and look at fish. <laughs> Very strange. And then they'll do that thing of, to them, we're in an aquarium of air. You're like, I don't think they think that. No, we're not it would really. be like us being in a bucket of air underwater. Yeah. It's not the same fucking thing. I can only walk 10 feet in another direction, dude. Come on. We would know that those fish have freedom <laughs> and we don't. We live in an empty castle. Come on. I don't fucking like that. Every once in a while, somebody will decide to show you their fucking hardware and they're breaking out shit. Oh, Jesus. And what comes in here? I know, dude. <laughs> They'll blow this shit up. But right now, let's put that down. Come on. Let's fucking... I'm trying to make a transaction here. Now, the, weird, the difference is, I mean, that's just marijuana. If it's a fucking Coke dealer and he wants to fucking lay out Coke, do it. Because it's the only time it's not fucking stepped on and it's worth all the weird rest of, you know... The Fed's coming through the door any minute. Oh, yeah, it's free. I mean, come on. You're basically dealing with pharmaceutical coke at that fucking point. <laughs> it's a private stash. That's all, that's all he does. Let me go back here behind these books. Yeah, because no one would ever look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is my fucking stash. And, they, you know, that's how fucking scumbag you are, too. You're still kind of thinking, like, I could fucking rip this guy off. <laughs> we could come through here if with I, fucking masks on. If I really wanted to, I could. Yeah, just take all his money and drugs. But I guess I'm not. He wouldn't be missed. Yeah, yeah. Doing the back of his stupid fucking head. I'd be doing society a favor. Now suddenly you're Batman. Christian Slater and fucking True Romance. Anyway, we got off of a tangent there, Fez, when you wanted to talk about what was in the news. Uh, George Lowe, gone. What else is in Fezzy's corner today? Well... Here is a weight loss thing that I keep hearing that I cannot stand. I think it's the grossest thing ever. Cutting 85% of your stomach out like our buddy? That was disturbing. But um, it's where they keep telling you to chew your food so many times and that'll help you lose weight. And now it's like up to 40 times you're supposed to chew each bite. Well, of course you're going to lose weight because it's going to be nothing but slime in your mouth and you're going to lose your appetite. Who can sit there and chew like a cow on their cud 40 times a bite of a sandwich? I thought you guys liked slime in your mouth. I thought that was part of the whole attraction. Yeah, the gloopiness of it. Oh, God. Uh, where you can play with it in your mouth. Ryan, you're in front Hey, Ron. Yeah. I just want to see if you're ready for the debut tonight of... The Dream Team. Oh, First of all, don't three. fucking jinx yourself. And second of all, no, I'm not going to bore myself with preseason football. Fuck preseason football. 
I it's mean, just... even the people paying money don't stay for the fucking games. <laughs> but you can bur- you can burn out on football if you get in too early. No, yeah, without a doubt. I know time for preseason. I'll just re-report stuff for fantasy, just to just to you know keep that. In you got plenty of time. I know, uh, but just preseason saying. is just a way to steal from the fucking season ticket holders. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Uh, Uncle Glenn, you're in manifest. Hey, buddies, a uh, scrappy team from Philadelphia put together a nine and one road trip, best ever in their franchise, and uh, just coming through when they need to right now. It's it's phenomenal. I know, but I honestly thought they were going to play nine hundred ball a season. I might have got over top of it all. I might have got really, really caught up. Uh, police grabbed a, a, ju- a possible jumper off of the top of the rock at uh, 30 Rock yesterday, the NBC building. I, when I left, it was nothing but police personnel blocking off the whole street across from the Sirius XM building. Mm-hmm. And what time was that? This uh, he went up there about four o'clock. So really, prime tourist time. Oh yeah, yeah. So they had all the tourists blocked, and of course they were trying to see down down the street exactly what was going on. That top of the rock is starting to replace Empire State Building, and one of the main reasons is is because now you can take a picture of the Empire State Building from it. <laughs> well, if you go up on the Empire State Building, you don't get the Empire State Building picture. Yeah, he's got a stupid fucking. Horizon. So with this, you get to take a picture and go, look, I'm as high as the Empire State Building. This guy who's jumping looked like a London rider with that fucking shit around his face. <laughs> he didn't want anybody to know who he was. <laughs> he looks like a young idiot. Here's my guess. Uh, bad economy and girlfriend broke up with him. Probably. Because I think you could take one or the other, but as soon as they do both next, you're in the fucking Fuck elevator. It. It's just over. Done. Yeah, they sent all the tourists h- home and didn't... Um, Back to their houses? No, Back just... To, had to get on airplanes and leave? No, just off oh. of the top of the rock while the police handled this. And then they didn't uh, honor their tickets to let them back up. So they, the guy didn't jump, but that wasn't, you know, w- what was upsetting. It was that they didn't get to go back up without paying again. They had the fucking best experience you're ever going to have. Hell yeah. You don't normally run into something like that. That's fucking memorable as fuck. I would have loved it. The local NBC affiliate, uh, who's in that building, said they were watching the live news feed, and then they were also looking, every time he would move over to the ledge or stand up on it, they would run to the windows because they said they would have seen him going by if he had jumped. Morbid. That's the news, my friend. That's the news. It's, uh, you know, when you fail at the jumping suicide attempt... That's that's got to be the worst one, of uh, the really I can't do anything right. I mean, if you took pills to try to kill yourself, you know they might find you, or you didn't take enough and you survive. Well, well, the when you climb up to some places, the second that you wait means like I'm here to have you talk me out of it. Yeah, you know the guy who's standing up on the bridge. It's not like he tried and failed. It's like he never really tried. Mm-hmm. It's no different than if you call up your girlfriend and said, I can't take it anymore, I'm going to kill myself. So that you could hear that, oh, John, you got no, so John, much to live for. You. You're, you're you. a great bass player, <laughs> and you're going to find a band that cares about you. Oh, you're just fishing for compliments. You're going to rob your coke dealer, and that's going to go perfectly. <laughs> Someone just wrote to me, stop trying to pull Fez into the show. The drug dealer talk was awesome. Yeah, I know, but I don't want to just be the drug dealer show. 
That's just because Hicks is a fucking junkie. Doesn't mean that we should waste everyone's time. I mean, sure, I like to party every once in a while. If the guy was trying to get attention, he picked the right spot. Biggest crowds and on-the-spot news coverage. Where they really don't even... They don't even have to send out the news van. Very, very true, Fez. Uh, in probably the stupidest study ever, mm-hmm. the University of California at San Diego says spoilers do not uh, affect the enjoyment of somebody uh, enjoying a, a story. Where if they know exactly what's going to happen in the story, that doesn't affect their enjoyment of it. Well, you would have to believe that if you see the way the world acts now. I don't mind a spoiler, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guess you're saying the spoilers you don't like, Fez. Right. Yeah. And I would, I, I, I agree with you, but I think that we're in the minority. And I brought this up many, many times. They would not be doing trailers like that unless these fucking idiots want it. I'll give you the the worst kind of stuff too. Uh, these B- Batman fans. There's pictures of the Batman yeah. movie and video of it all over the fucking internet now. But it looks like shit yeah. because mm-hmm. you don't have the music and it's you don't the have the cinematography, yeah. and it looks as fake as the fucking Adam West Batman. Bane looks like an idiot, and it looks like oh look how far they come from punching, <laughs> and people are going this Batman movie looks like shit, but the fans are doing it and the yeah. fans are promoting it because the fucking people taking the video are fucking Christopher Nolan. That's why it looks right. like shit. That's exactly right. <laughs> Come on, yeah, it's all over. They're all over Pittsburgh, just doing it basically out in the open, and everyone's all over it, just constantly spoiling the fucking thing up. My brother sent me one of the Batman photos, and his comment was, "They're gonna need a lot of CGI to fix this." Oh, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right, because that's what they do in these films. They're not just shooting Pittsburgh, you know. It's this is the fucking but that goes against or it supports that story that you say is stupid, but people do like it. Now I'm looking this over. It's not about movies or TV shows. The the report. Right, it's saying it, it's about books. Yeah, there's a big oh, difference there because wow. a lot of people I'll get pissed who claim they're reading a book are not reading a book. <laughs> you know, there's people out there who like to engross themselves. Yeah in the book to lose themselves in the flow the other people just want i want to see what happens in this book and you'll hear them talking about it. it's gotten boring or it started to pick up or i jumped ahead there's a lot of people who are just like give me the most information you can in the smallest time yeah well, some people don't want a book to fucking end they're the people that like to read you know the other people like to say that they read books no fuck that so i see that a little differently than movies but the spoiler thing—it's almost like, a, it's a fucking done deal. It's they put they put the final f- scenes of movies in trailers. And I remember the trailer for the three hundred. Literally, the last scene of the movie is in the fucking trailer. That last uh, Kevin Costner baseball movie where he was going for the perfect game. Oh yeah. In the trailer, they show him them carrying him off the field. <laughs> so you're not feeling any sense of tension. He's gonna do it. But I don't think people necessarily want a sense of tension. I mean, the biggest movie this year, uh, and it's already passed Batman of all time and all, is that Harry Potter. No. And everyone had already read the book. Yeah. So it's not... 
I don't think that all those things is what most people are looking for. I think they want a comfortable fucking product for themselves. And, you know, just mainstream Hollywood fucking reacts to it. Justin, you're on the Manifest Show. Good morning. Says, how are you today? Good. What can we do for you? I just had, uh, was wondering if you saw what the new Catwoman looked like in the, uh, the Dark Knight movie and uh, what you thought of it, because I do respect your opinion on it. I know you're a big comic book fan. Uh, yeah, I had seen it. it. It looked dull to me. Again, it's not in the movie yet. You know what I mean? Like, you really do need to see it in the film. Uh, what's this girl's name, this Catwoman? Anne Hathaway. Uh, she's got a movie opening up this week. I don't know what it's called. Fucking love her. It's 20 her, years. Uh, or trying to shit. get back together. We should be together, but we... Keep, you know, some romantic comedy. Yeah. So during the press tour for this, she's saying... As a joke, she would keep mourning the guy that she's in the movie with. What? Now, I'm going to point something out here. A, I've never laughed at the fucking I'm pulling my ass out joke. That's kind of stupid. When a guy does that, it's the easy laugh. I'm not, I'm not one of those people. But, I'm going to flip the script here. I think when a woman moons, she's saying, this is where I want the dick to go. I think it's never funny with a woman, and 100% of the time, it feels sexual. Oh, yeah, it is. It's fucking very sexy. She's moving better and over. You see that pussy? Not exactly. Come on. Thank you. So what am I supposed to do then? Laugh? No. Or think to myself, the dick goes right there. I'm going to grab my... The perfect lineup. Yeah, I'm going to grab my crotch. Now, let's... um. Now, that's a double standard. Mm-hmm. But it's a double standard, I'm sorry, post-feminine world. I can't seem to get my fucking head around here. It's I just... may be uh, prejudiced when it comes to this, but to me, a woman pulling her ass out, sexual, more sexual than I'm flashing my tits for fucking beats. Oh, yeah. Now, to me, that is sexual, but they're not saying... Fuck me here in the street. Where I believe if women are dropping their pants and, and fucking bending over, you're now taking it back to caveman DNA because that's how the original man got laid because a woman just happened to be scrubbing something in a fucking river <laughs> and you came running cave. as hard as you could from across the field. Boom. Life goes on. Drop a seed up in her, as they say. Um, well, it's just biology. I mean, Jesus Christ. Very sexy. When my name Hathaway. Oh, it may be sexual, but I don't think it's sexy. Just Anne Hathaway pulling out her shitter. You're fucking seriously. You're fucking disgusting. (sighs) That woman's got a beautiful ass. Yeah, she's great. And for you to call it a shitter. By the way, I don't like when anyone does that. I don't like the poop shoot. Fuck you. Fuck you. (laughs) She's great in Havoc. She's a fine young actress, and she shuts her fucking mouth up and just fucking leans over. (laughs) Um, Do you agree or disagree? 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Is it sexual when a woman moves? Or am I being just some old school fucking male? No. Some nut dragon? No. No. I don't know where it's going. Dude moons... 
someone fucking balls are hanging out or whatever. It's fucking it's disgusting and fucking stupid, stupid and kind of gay. Woman does not kind of gay, one hundred percent gay. Plus your lips all pressed together, whatnot. It's great. Um, Fez, I never want to hear you call a woman's ass a shitter again. That's just that's disgusting. It's crass. Well, and it's anti woman. It's, an, it. it's anti woman. Big show. Hey boys, what's happening? Yeah. Uh, Fezzy, she's got a great ass, so I don't know what the hell you're talking. He calls it a shitter. What? Well, she's trying to be a frat boy. How sexy is that? It's sexy because it is. She doesn't realize how stupid she's fucking being. Don't pull your ass around out here, girl. That's right. You know it's gonna fucking happen. Uh, Brian and Raleigh, you're on fest. Hey, I just wanted to say that uh, a friend of my wife mooned us one time, and I can say uh, for very certain it was not sexual, and she screamed out, My clit! Uh, that, where's that movie from? That's from that's from Havoc. That's a very sexy girl. Y yeah. The can you don't take down the mother! <laughs> uh, Dave, San Francisco, you're on my fez. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah. That whole time with the uh, Animal House, uh, that whole era of movies, everybody would BA each other. That's what they would call it. In the sixth grade, these girls were across the street, and they said, hey, guys, and they bent over. And that was like the first time I totally saw a, a bush shot, a pussy shot. And they thought it was funny, but as guys, we were going, holy shit. Right, you awesome. saw it as sexual. Yes. Thank you like, for making my point. I'm going. Wait a minute. This is this is not normal. This is not normal for girls to be doing that. They thought it was fun because, like, they saw that shit in the movies. But that was guys doing that. But when a girl did that, we were in shock. Man, we're going. Look at that shit. Unbelievable. Yeah, this is. Uh, and I agree. Now, what do you got here, Hicks? <laughs> These are from a few years ago. This is Anne Hathaway on a boat with her very scumbag boyfriend, who's now doing time, uh, blowing him on a boat as well, he's on talking. On the let phone. me guess. It ain't his fucking uh, boyfriend anymore. No. 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 Uh, Mike, I'm on Fez. Hey, Ronnie, Fezzy. Yeah. I, I say it's sexual just like, say, if you go to Miami Beach, the girls run around with the thong, their ass hanging out. They want it to be seen. They want to be sexy. They want to be sexual. Well, there's a little difference between a thong and a woman dropping trowel and bending over sexual. Uh, Michael, you're on the Ronnie Fez show. Hey, guys. I, uh, in high school, used to live across the street from this girl, Tanya. And she would always, when we were outside, or she was outside and I was outside, she would drop her pants and look at me and laugh. And she thought she was being, you know, cute and funny. And to this day, I mean, that was 20 years ago, and I have this ingrained, perfect image of that ass in my head. And you batch to it, even to this day? To this day, no right. doubt. Thank you very much. Uh, Jersey Rob, you're on the Ron Fez Show. Hey, what's going on, Ron? Yeah. I, I agree. It's a completely sexual thing. I had a friend in high school. We were completely platonic, just friends, until one day when she moved, mooned me, and all I could think about was getting into that ass from that point forward. Um, it is, in fact... Oh, look at those pictures. She's a fucking great actress. Oh, yeah. Uh, here's Jason. Jason, you're on the run of show. Hey, Ron, I just want to give you a big, big prompt because we just leave, leave in Molly's in New York and my wife is in the car and she's absolutely salivating over your cupcake. Is uh, that right? Far, the best cupcake she said she's ever had and she's a baker. She said it's not too sweet. It's Everything is just perfect. So thank you, sir. Just wanted to call and say you've done good. That's high praise indeed from a baker. 
Uh, now, we're, by the way, we're talking about um, women. How do you like the cute girls working down there at Molly's? I tell you what, not bad at all. And she was willing to go out front and do jumping jacks so I could find the place. So that's a that that's a bonus right there. Uh, she walked out front and did jumping jacks for you. Yes, sir. What was her name? Do you remember it? I don't. She was brunette, um, early twenties. Um, didn't ask the name. I was I was too busy uh, checking out the, pr the the product. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Mark Zito was. Uh, He's got a little thing for the Molly's girl. Oh. They were all very cute. But By the way, when I say he's got a little thing, I'm talking about that little thing right there. Oh. That little thing between his pockets. Oh, say it. God. Um, oh. Jake, Jake, you're on running Fez. Hey, Fez, why don't you just call it a turd cutter? My God. All right. um, I already, I'm, I'm going to cut you off I'm right there. I'm not the gross one here. Anne Hathaway is. She's not gross. Uh, you are the gross one, no matter who you're talking about. You could be talking about the fucking monster from the Black Lagoon. Uh, try your own manifest. Yeah, I can't believe you guys are calling Anne Hathaway a great actress. She's one of the most annoying people that Bag! I've known. God, you love dick. I would. Um, here's uh, Renee. Renee, you're on manifest. What's going on, Ronnie? Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, I think it's a turn off on that mooning thing, but also a stripper who slaps her ass like on a table dance really turns me off too. I'm like, Bag! Bag! what? Bag! Bag! Find some cock. Um, Mike, you're on the run of show. Mike. Hey, hello. Uh, we don't have Hello? Here's Nate Maine, you're on Hey, buddies. What about when a chick bends over and puts her ass up against the window and leaves that little grease mark on the window, you know? How do you feel about that? Pretty fucking gross. Bag! 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 There's no need to use that slur! Um, Rick, St. Louis. Hey, buddies. Totally hot when a chick pulls out the old Play-Doh cutter. Love it. Oh, disgusting. Uh, disgusting poop. Disgusting poop freaks. Oh. Mike, you're my fez. Hey, Ron, I think it all depends on who's looking. You know, I don't find, I don't find it sexy when a fat chick shows her ass. You know why? Because you're a... Bag! Why are, you, why, are you, why are you yelling? Because I'm yelling over the chant of the other F word. Hmm. Aren't you the guy who invented the phrase faggot of the opera? I had said it before, but I don't say it anymore. Well, we're still back where you were then. We were still back when you were funny. That's where we live. Remember that? The kingdom of humor. Here is, uh, uh, let's go over here to Bob. Bob, you're on my Fez. Yeah, uh, Fez, Anne Hathaway doing anything is sexual. She's hot as hell. She is hot Which as is, hell. What do you think about Russell Crowe mooning somebody? Is that sexual? That, that is someone showing their ass. Right. Would that be sexual? No, it's gross. Russell Crowe's ass is gross?
I'm confused about who he is and what he thinks. Who is this man with the hat? Jeremy Irons has, says that any woman worth her salt could handle a guy grabbing her ass without taking him to court. Theme day. So I can't imagine that this has ever been an effective way of flirting. Junior high school. Sure. And even in Catholic school when I would do the old it's Palm Sunday and lay both <laughs> my hands on their ass. <laughs> but everybody used to grab ass in fucking junior high school. Or drunken in college. Well, if you're doing it in college, seriously, you're fucking holding on too long. <laughs> but no, it's immature. I don't think it happens with adults. But Jeremy Irons likes to do that um, gimmick. That's his fucking total gimmick. He'll always do stuff like, no man can just settle down with one woman. He's great. He needs plenty of pussy. <laughs> so because he's, he wants to kind of prove that he's not gay all the time oh, yeah. because he's British. Yeah. Michael Caine pulls the same stuff. Sometimes you have to rap a woman. Okay. All right, there. I know. I like how he figures that it's the tough woman who will let her ass be grabbed and not do anything about it. That that proves their toughness instead of calling the guy on it. You just grabbed my ass. Ah. Oh, sweetheart. You've never grabbed a woman's ass before? No. Bad! Zeno just did it too. Yeah. I saw him do it from the other room. Jumped in. NBC has made a deal with uh, Major League Soccer. This to do with Thirty Rock yesterday. Theme day. Uh, no, it's just NBC. Is not where the Thirty Rock is. Uh huh. Is that where the jumper was? Right. Yeah. Top of the rock. Did he jump? No. Zeno was doing it too. Uh, it's ridiculous. And I think I saw Liam yell it through one of the windows. Yeah, he was pointing. I've got is it is it a crink in your neck or a crick in your neck? There's a kink in your neck. Ugh. That sounds gay. <laughs> and I got a frog in my throat. <laughs> uh, you know, this is like kind of the anniversary of my appendicitis exploding. Oh Jesus. Well, my appendicitis didn't explode. My appendix uh, yeah. explode, thus becoming an appendicitis. Yeah, do the appendicitis. What was the exact date on that, Fess? Um, I don't remember. Oh, that's right. You didn't come see me at the hospital. What did you do during that time? Through a party? No. No, I, I called and checked. You called me? No, I didn't call the hospital. Who did you call then to check? Oh. Just randomly? Hello, 911? Do you know that 911 is getting so busy they're adding a 912? What? No, it's not true. But it's kind of funny. Like, how quick you're ready to get anger, blowhard junior. <laughs> you know, the 90s were the shit. Uh, here's an update on the Rupert Murdoch scandal uh, with News of the World. News of the World update. 
So James Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch's son, is uh, now being ordered to prove that he wasn't lying when he testified in front of Parliament. Yeah, but they never swore him in. So I guess now, uh, whatever rules they have, he has to prove everything that he had said. Um, yeah, but they they made a big deal with the, the thing that none of those people were under oath. I remember when it came out. So they can't do like the Bill Clinton lying under oath gimmick. Although I don't know what the English rules are. I'm, I'm fucking pretending by that. But I remember they said, if this is so important at the time, how come they're not swearing these guys in? They just kind of were showing up there. So if it comes down to it where one person has to go to jail, Rupert or his son... Which is better? The son goes and protects the 80-year-old father who's going to die in prison or the dad whose life is, you know, near its end anyway. He goes to jail, dies there, and saves his son. That would be up between the Murdochs. I'm not even sure they could pick each other out of a lineup. I don't know what happens in that family. Yeah, I don't think Rupert would mind fucking letting the son take the fall. I mean, he doesn't seem like the kind of... He doesn't seem like the sentimental type. No. He's... Creepy old Australian guy, you know, fucking cowboy. And I always said from the beginning, I, I, you know, when this came up and people were like Murdoch's going to jail, I just couldn't picture it. It's Rupert Murdoch. He ain't going out anywhere. Do I don't know. I mean, this is obviously a lot worse because they won't let go of it over there. But you have to also admit, it's not as big a story as it was three weeks ago. No, people quit getting arrested at this point. Someone was getting hauled in every day there for about uh, over a week. Here is a dictator that I do adore. Vladimir Hitler? Putin. Stalin. Sorry, I went for the joke. Go ahead. Uh, Vlad, uh, Vladimir Putin. You like him, huh? He was. Uh, he's now taken up scuba diving. There's always these pictures of him on these adventures. So he's just taken up scuba diving. And on his third dive in six feet of water, he was able to discover some ancient Grecian urns. From uh, the 6th century. So he found these ancient vases. And you don't think that a couple of KGB guys threw them out <laughs> fucking seconds before? Oh, absolutely. In six feet of water, he was able to discover an ancient treasure. He's like a Russian uh, Indiana Jones. He's fine. They should really do this for Obama's approval ratings. Just throw a dead coyote out there on the uh, White House lawn and say that Obama strangled him with his bare hands. See if I can see how you're tying this story together. One guy finds ancient urns, and the other one strangles a coyote to death, and then the country was going to love him for it. On the White House lawn, that actually yes, yeah, because crazy. he's the action adventurer. He's the tough guy. You he see fights a lot, lions. You see a lot of well. There's a big difference between a coyote and a lion, but you see a lot of film, right? No, I don't go to movies. Well, has there ever been a movie you've ever seen that somebody strangles a coyote to death, and then all the kids are like, "He's my favorite star." I would love to see that movie because <laughs> it's like killing a dog. It's almost like you're saying a dog killer would be loved. And we know what the dog-burning kid did to the ONA show yesterday. Oh. Stopped it cold. Oh. That was all I had. I was plenty. What was your favorite piece that he had? I like, I like this. Mm, 
This last one, the f- crazy Putin story. It's de- Cause that it made sense. Because it made sense. What was your favorite story, Zito? I like George Lopez. It was topical. Well, that was the first one. Did you stop paying attention? No, no, no. I also. Fez, I also what was like your favorite shitter. part of the story from your part of the show today? Um, I would say the Lopez tonight. Mine was when you kept everyone going. Fag. 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 You're stepping on us when we're doing a bit. Remember Faggot of the Opera, Fez? Yes, I do. Remember your nickname then? No. Funboy 3. We used to call you Funboy 3. FB3. Uh, so you got nothing else today? Uh, no. What are you going to be doing? Trying to think of stuff, I guess. Any candy or something? What, uh... I guess he forgot the candy until two minutes oh, left no. yesterday. And then you wouldn't drink the black water. We didn't know that, but the the gentleman that was from the uh, New Jersey Housewife show, what was his name? Albert? Albert uh, Manzo. Uh, he gave us some black water that he's supporting, and Fez said he wouldn't drink it because it might hurt his heart, even though we know that he ate seven cupcakes in five minutes the other day. Yeah, just have some black water. Come on. Just the term black water was the turnoff, too. BLK, it's kinda period. Cool. It's kind of cool. Uh, George, you're on the Fez. Hey, Fez, I hate to break it to you, but Vladimir Putin is not a dictator. He's the uh, prime minister of Russia. Well, sure, that's the official title. <laughs> hey, Ron. Mm. Yeah. I went to Molly's this morning. Fucking fantastic to Ron Bernstein Cupcake. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. I was afraid that it wouldn't. It was so hyped up. I was afraid I wouldn't be crazy about it. Fucking unbelievable. Um... Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thanks, bud. Uh, Adam, you're running Fez. Hey, 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 hey Fezzy. You yes. there? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, stand up, flip that fucking table over, and tell Ronnie to go fuck himself. And then you'll see a big smile spread across Ronnie's face. That's all I've been waiting for all this time. I'm waiting to hear. Fuck Ron Bennington. That's all I want to do. So flip this fucking table over and tell me to go fuck myself. No, I'm not going to do that. Why not? I'm the one who ran out of stuff. It doesn't matter. Do what you need to do. I fucked Woody on the coyote bit. You know that people in this country would love Obama if he choked a coyote to death on the fucking front lawn. That's not the fucking thinkings of a madman. That's not somebody who hasn't thought about something. That's pure and perfect logic. Well, if he had saved Sasha and Malia... Come on, Fezzy. That's not the fucking point. What do you need to do? We'll be flip this I need to have more stuff. No, that's not it. You need to flip this fucking table over, and you got to say, fuck you, Ronnie B. Stop fucking with me. Uh, I don't want to do that. Come on, let's do it. Stop fucking with me. Mm. You put the emphasis on stop. Stop fucking with me. No, you put the emphasis on stop. That's never going to work for you. Oh. Where do you put the emphasis? Fucking. King. Stop fucking with me. Now I'm fucking with you and you sound like you're getting away with it again. Don't fucking do that. Lay it in there. Stop fucking with Don't me. Don't do it word for word. That's me fucking with you trying to get you to say that. You got to be yourself and do it. Um, you need to stop fucking with me. Never lead with an um. It looks like you're trying to remember. This mm-hmm. is supposed to be an emotional thing. 
Stop fucking with me. Why would you be doing it word for word the way I'm telling you? You gotta do it in your own words. Stop the fucking with me. Just adding the doesn't make an original. That's why you're getting accused of stealing stuff. Lay it on me off the top of your head. Would you please stop fucking with me? Still, you're going back to the real emphasis. And never say please when you're telling somebody not to fuck with you. Hold on, I got a call right now from an angry coyote. I'm gonna get Ron. Ron. Where's the president? Where's the president to save me now? I am Rip. Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, uh, I heard the whole thing with Putin was a, was a plant and all that, but I was thinking of something better for for Obama for his approval ratings. Just get a good shot of him eating blueberries all by himself. So they right, don't himself. let them fuck with you. Don't. What do you say that? You can stop fucking with me. But you're, you're doing it in a robot voice now. You don't want to do that. Should we plan a story to get your popularity out? What about this? I was still telling people I saw Fez choke a, uh, a joke to death in the fucking front yard. That a healthy joke was running by. Fez ran out, choked it to death oh. until it died. Oh, my God. Stop fucking with me. See? still the same thing. It's almost going back to cookie, cookie, cookie. Off the top of your head, what would you like to say? The you fucking d- with me ends now. Do you mean that, though? Or is that just cookie, cookie? Well, I don't think it's going to end. Oh, so you do think I fuck with you? Oh, no, I meant... I was talking about the there's, blueberry caller. There's a little snooky. Open up the thing so we can see her without her catching on to it. She's really a lot tinier than uh, you would think, right? She is fucking tiny. No on wolf. TV, she looks very large. Mm. That's on tonight. All right, we're going to come back in just a couple minutes. Uh, and get everything. Oh, okay, wait. She's coming this way? Oh. <clears throat> She's on her hush. We're not considered Jersey Short then? I don't think she, think she passed on this channel together. Why doesn't she like our channel? I don't know. She Did was something happen with, with her and Owen Eggleton? No. The uh, the boys from that show do Owen A, right? Yeah, everyone but Stucky. Right, she's got a personal problem. She's really cute, though. How come they don't get that over on the show? Bad editing. Was it? Those editors are just mean. She is adorable. And god damn, I never saw so many, like such a lo- large posse of white people following her around. That's you, John Raj. Doesn't make any sense. That's bigger than M&M's. Yeah. Who's had the biggest John Raj that you ever saw? Because <sighs> I will um, tell you this. Over at the Hard Rock that night at O&A's gig... Flavor Flav had a massive fucking entourage. <laughs> I, I, I remember hearing about that. Uh, Wu-Tang. Like three or four members of Wu-Tang came up here. Mm-hmm. So they all ha- each individually had a bunch of fucking people with them. That was huge. And they all piled in the Shade 45. It was fucking crazy. That they was all a- feel like they can't be away from the money. Basically, yeah. And um, one night I was here like, I don't know, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. And I walk around the corner and in the fishbowl there's a random fucking hip-hop performance going on with a shitload of people. 
I believe it was Jadakiss who was here, and he had a ridiculously huge posse. Why do you call Jadakiss random? It was just no. It's the, the performance was random. Like oh. I just I walk around the corner and the place is dead, and then what the fuck? And then they're just all performing <laughs> and it's fucking blasting in the fucking hallway. Well, the night that uh, Flavor Flav was there, and I mean he had like fifty people with him. Jesus they came Christ. in and tried to stuff backstage at <laughs> O and A, but then while he's in there and all the madness goes by, Chuck D just comes walking in by himself. Um, you see uh, Flav around, and I'm like, yeah, he's in the back. He was just like a regular fucking dude. Just, just had his himself. hands in his pockets. <laughs> you know, it was really fucking funny uh, to see that you could be either way. You don't yeah. need one mm -hmm. or need the other. Yeah. And that was probably around the time when Flavor Flav's reality show was, was blowing up. I don't know whether he had his own reality show yet, but then he was on another one. Okay. The simple, not the simple life. Yeah, the, something the like life. that. Whatever that bullshit was. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. I don't know which way. Al, you're on my fuzz. Al. Hey, hey uh, I just want to to say what he really needs. Don't ever stop fucking me. Is that what you meant by that? No, that wasn't what I meant at all. Did you think of anything new yet? No. You got about 24% in. Or about all that's going to be left of Johnny's stomach by the time he's done. Oh, I hope he's making the right decision. That seems like a lot of stomach to get taken out. I just worry. It does. And he says his stomach then will be about the size of banana. <sighs> he won't be able to put more than like a banana in. What? He can't enjoy with that with that small stomach. You're just taking fucking quarter slices, if that. Yeah. You're right about that. You're completely right about that. Yeah. Like Thanksgiving is a done deal. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'll, I'll have you know, a slice of fucking turkey and... No, I, uh, I read this thing yesterday. And actually, I even uh, told this to uh, Jennifer at the Whatever Show. She had this uh, young hipster run by the name of Emily in with her. Okay. And Emily is a alcoholic, dope addict, shopping addict, sex addict. Okay. She's got all the shit. All right. And I had read, the, uh, actually a listener sent me this, that a psychiatrist said people that are alcoholics mm -hmm. tend to also drink more beverages than the average person. Even non-alcoholic beverages? Like yes. Just, bev just fucking liquid in general. Yeah, they're just beverage drinkers. <laughs> you know, thirsty motherfuckers. Yeah, just have, so I constantly need to be drinking something. And I thought about it. And I have had to cut out a couple of beverages in my life. Like, I had to fucking slow down on the Coke. I'm like, all right, no more Coke. Mm -hmm. Then I got into Snapple. Look, I'm drinking too much Snapple. <laughs> I'm into, like, just, like, this home-brewed iced tea, which still could be keeping me up at night. Wow, really? Yeah. Cause, cause, I guess because tea has fucking caffeine in it and shit. Right? But, yeah, but I don't think of it that way. Mm -hmm. But here's the weird thing. Of any of those health things that say you need to drink eight glasses of water a day, I act like I can't pull it off. <laughs> And yet, <laughs> eight beers in an hour is kind of the norm that's if you're nothing. drinking. Yeah, yeah, that's just just for your fucking getting drink on, basically. Right. At sixteen ounces, whatever a shot, you're good to go. Eight pints, fuck, get whacked. Um, but it is fucking funny to think about that. Like water does not feel like a normal beverage. Mm mm. It almost feels like a punishment. Like that's all there is. Like water. Like bread and water from prison. Right. 
Uh, Gabe, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, nice to talk to you again. It's intern Gabe. Oh, our buddy intern Gabe. <laughs> How come How that wasn't doing? put up on his list there? What was that? Although, do we consider him a real ex-intern since he didn't fit? Did he finish? No, he did not. He left halfway. Yeah. yeah so. Did you really? make sure you fucked him with his school? Oh, yeah. I fucking made him look like an asshole. Good. Yeah. What can we do for you, Gabe? Uh, good. I was sorry. Did you see the USA Mexico game yesterday? Uh, I did see not the entire game. I caught the second half for it all. The friendly with our brand new coach. Yes, Jurgen Klinsmann. It was very exciting for uh, U.S. hopefuls out there. And yet, more Mexicans in that stands than locals. Of course. <laughs> uh, so just want to let you know, I actually just went to Molly's. And picked up a couple of cupcakes here in New York. Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, it's a birthday for a couple of coworkers, so I got them two Ron Benningtons, and I uh, hope they like it. Well, let me know later, okay? Sure thing. Um, Gabe, one more thing. How did you like the girls down there? What was that? Did you like the girls that were working? Oh, <laughs> yeah, they're very cute, very friendly. No, see, the thing about Gabe is you're in, you're engaged, aren't you, Gabe? Uh, no, I'm in a serious relationship, that is all. And you have a fiancé? Uh, no, I have not even considered purchasing a ring. Mm. Alright, well let me know later how you like the cakes, alright brother? Alright, take care, Ron. Alright, you're the best kid. And I hope you got along nice with Phil Rosenthal. I know you wanted to be buddies with him and put it, have him put you on a show. <laughs> well, maybe not from that meeting, but hopefully in the future. I hope so too for you. Alright, talk to you later, pal. All right, see you. That Gabe's a really great kid. Oh, he's great. I mean, I, I almost feel bad about shitting on NYU, but not really. First of all... Because he abandoned us. Part of the deal at NYU is everyone gets an A. <laughs> You're paying this kind of money, you get an A. <laughs> it's what, like it's 50 grand or something? Yeah, it's 50 grand a year. Uh, that's now, nuts. here's the thing. If you had an 18-year-old kid, you could say, I'm going to give you $200,000. Or, because I get the point that you need some time in between high school and the work world, right? Mm -hmm. You definitely do. Why not say, look, if you go out and do any kind of work where you're just finding out about the world, you don't even need to get paid for it. It can kind of be like internships. Yeah. You can go work for the national parks, blah, blah, blah. Peace Corps. You can go overseas, Peace Corps a little bit. And when you get back... I'm going to hand you the $200,000, and you can start a business with it. Or you can do whatever you need to get ahead. Yeah. Seems like a better way of spending money to me. It seems like the more logical way to do it if you're not trying to become a surgeon or whatever. Or something. I mean, and that's a tiny fucking percentage of As people. A, no, you, you've got a really good point. There are plenty of jobs that you feel like you need that background yeah. if you need anything with the math or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, science. But if it's bullshit. just really about liberal arts and world experience... Which is the fucking majority of fucking goddamn college students. Now, like I said, going to work for the National Park Service, uh, you brought up Peace Corps... Any of them are going to give you growth as a human being. Yeah. You're going to fucking learn. You're going to get life experience as opposed to just getting hammered in a fraternity on campus. Uh, John, you're on Fez. Hello? One, two. Nah, you're gone, John. Jesus. Uh, Brian, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie, I was just in Molly's. They're, they're unbelievable. And, and they were talking about actually having a Fez Wally one made with blueberries and kiwi. 
That's just not true. That's just not true. If Fez Watley gets his own cupcake, it will be done with both love and admiration. Wow. Those are the most important ingredients. It, we're thinking about calling it the Fez Watley Leave Me the Fuck Alone cake. Like, leave, like don't buy it? The special ingredient? Yeah. You shut your fucking mouth. Is it like nougat or something? Yeah, it's a fucking nougat. It's a nougat of hostility. Fez Watley can take your fucking eye out with his thumb. That's Let me tell you something else about Fez Watley, and I don't mind saying this. I, you completely turned me around. The grown big brother says fiancé too much. Now, I'm not going to blame my own everybody who says fiancé. I don't think the word needs to be taken out of the vocabulary, because I think that you were mad at her. And I didn't even pick up on it until after you said it. Now I've been watching it. She does need to shut the fuck up with it. She's just acting stupid. And two, your girl Shelly, um, you're not getting it if you're watching the TV show. She is doing a much better job than people know. Very manipulative, playing both sides of the house of each other. Extremely right-wing, though. Oh, really? Extremely anti some of the things you particularly care about. What you were mad at Jeff about? Uh-huh. Shelly's ten times worse. And only because I think she is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although she has a husband and daughter. Um, but is a much better player than I gave her early on. And I don't mind fucking telling you, Fez. And you can't tell who's going to win these things. I mean, it's sure. still too far to go. But she's playing a much stronger game than I gave her... Um, I, uh, credit for. I guess in the house she's perceived as being a floater. No. No, no? That's okay. A, that's just the television editing. Okay. In the house, both sides think they've got her on the show. She's being sold to the TV audience as a floater. But this whole Rachel put the black guy up, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. It's all Shelly. Shelly did all that. And it didn't show any of it on TV. And that's why when you were saying yesterday, I can't wait to see... I'd already known who went up, but only last night did I find out more of the details about it. Wow. And with the fiancé uh, thing with Rachel, you've you got the deal. You've struck oil, dude. You've hit it. Let's pump it. Yeah. You don't even have to go back into it. You've won that one. Um, Mike, in Canada, you're on the run of Fest show. Hey, Ronnie, man, yesterday you really turned me on to the whole Flimpton thing uh, a lot more than I knew. Um, when I was a kid, I used to get a hockey magazine every month, and I remember when he uh, went to play Nets for the Bruins, and uh, I was incensed at the time because I didn't get it at all. All I knew was those guys were gods, and, and here was this outsider getting to put the uniform on, and it, it fucked with me. And then my old man tried to explain to me, I guess he knew about Flimpton, and he explained what he was doing and, and how... You know, he, he did these things firsthand. And unfortunately, it didn't make me want to read them. It just pissed me off that, that here was this guy. But but hearing you describe it more yesterday made me really uh, interested in reading the guy a bit more. Well, you have to go back to it. But this uh, documentary, and by the way, uh, and I hope we can put it back up there because the Kickstarter campaign, I want people to uh, retweet on that as much as you possibly can. Uh, but he was an interesting interesting fucking dude and would go out and do this but actually in boxing he got in the ring with fucking Archie Moore who was a champion at the time right yeah 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 I remember 
actually, you know, my dad was a huge boxing fan, and Archie Moore actually came to our school and did a, a, a speaking thing. Like, this it is a stinky little school in Nova Scotia, but there was a really big boxing community down there at the time. And Archie Moore actually came and, and gave a speech to us all, and, and that was another thing that was kind of lost on me a little bit at the time. And then I told my old man, yeah, this guy Archie Moore, my old man almost hit the floor when he found out that Archie Moore did it. What, what part of Nova Scotia you live in? Well, I was in this little town called Windsor for a long time. And if you played down there in the carnival, I'm almost certain that you played the Hans County Exhibition down there. Cause yeah. I'm pretty sure I know the show that you were on. And uh, you probably you probably dusted through that town at one point or another. I did go through Windsor. Yeah, yeah. Windsor was uh, a really big fair town. And I'm pretty sure you guys probably did the Atlantic Winter Fair down there in Halifax. And uh, There's and, uh, a... Uh, that part of the uh, that part of the world how, uh, is just a beautiful place. It really is. It's incredible, man. It's it's uh, yeah. It's one of those places that you hear guys moan about. You know, they have to move away from because there's just no work down there. And, right. You know, it's now, rough. Now I, I spend my time trucking, so I'm not down there anymore. But uh, like my whole family's still there, and uh, yeah, it's it's a beautiful place. I just want to ask you real quick before I forget: Have you caught any of the the Kennedy show? Um, I think it was bought by HBO. I think it was originally shot by History Channel. Have you seen that with Greg Kinnear? No, I never watched it. Oh. Man, I'm telling they're playing it on CTV right now, and I didn't know as much about the history of, of Kennedy as I thought he did, but I knew, like, bits and pieces. But Greg Kinnear, man, I mean, he just he just does an amazing Kennedy. Like, it's, it's mind-blowing watching the guy, and I would recommend it highly. Katie Holmes plays uh, Jackie Kennedy. And Barry Pepper plays uh, Big Joe Kennedy, but man, it's uh, it's really cool. It's a bit of a mini series. I've been watching. Yeah, it I haven't seen it, but you know, Kinnear, I kind of feel bad for him because you know, for him to go and do that, and then for it to not get the full release, yeah, it got put on. Reels. That's a rough one, but you know, but I haven't seen it. any of it. I didn't like yeah. it. Um, all right, thanks, Mike. Thanks for right, calling. Later, uh, yeah, when I was up in Nova Scotia, that part of the world is just jaw dropping beautiful. I bet. I fucking it sounds great. I'm gonna tell you something right now. And we don't say it enough. This Earth is one beautiful ass planet. Oh, oh people definitely. do a lot of bitching, like, "Oh, the Earth is so fucked up." Is it, or are you fucked up? You just don't get out enough, motherfucker. Maybe get, if you went outside. Just get a hiking trail, huh? Um. But anyway, uh, I am. Uh, oh, so this Archie Moore thing, which is kind of interesting, the corner guy. Before they went and did this exhibition, it all started off, uh, and uh, the corner guy got in Archie's mind. And Archie showed up like, hey, I'm going to box around with this guy. And the corner guy goes, hey, look, I want you to be careful. This fucking dude fought in college. He's got a fucking, you know, he's, yeah. he's a comer. And he's going <laughs> to be coming after you. Yeah. Archie Moore said, what? Huh? Fucking broke his nose. <laughs> Busting his fucking nose for him. Because, like, when you see it, you're like, what a dick, aren't you more? Yeah. You know, why are you hitting the guy so fucking hard? Yeah, this guy's just fucking doing this for a story. In that um, uh, stupid uh, same name show the other night, they yeah. put somebody in the fucking ring, a fat guy in the ring, when he had to be Mike Tyson. <laughs> oh, Christ almighty. And the guy started punching him in the stomach, and I'm like, That's oh, not no, the man. way to go. Um, all right, we need to uh, uh, break here. Back in just a uh, couple of minutes, we're on Fez Show. The Ron and Fez Show. On the virus. I was just answering the phones for 
coronavirus. The Ron and Fez Show. Ron Fez show talking about the uh, little snooks. And uh, Sam are trying to follow along with the clusterfuck of an entourage that's going from one. And we got paparazzi downstairs. Of course. Of course. In the season, fucking episodes tonight. And I, uh, I got a niece in town, so I check in with Fez. Hey, is anybody in the building that maybe my niece could see? No. Sorry. She would have gone crazy for baby snooks. Little drunk snooky. I don't think so. I think she's like a little lady. Now, Roland was saying that she won't do Howard show or ONA show because she doesn't feel safe. <laughs> and I said, well, she probably grew up listening to those shows. <laughs> And she knows all about it. Yeah, it probably makes her a little nervous. <laughs> but I think all the other uh, Jersey kids do O&A show. Yeah, the Vinny goes on. Vinny is their pal. Yeah, he's been on a few times with his uh, whacked-out uncle. But me and your favorite is Paulie. Yeah, Paul. Cap's here. T-shirt time. And yet nothing happens on this show. And I don't for a minute believe that Ronnie knocked out fucking the other. I think it's all work. Oh, we'll see. We'll have to just wait and see. Yeah. I think it's like when you used to see mankind being taken away in an ambulance. I don't think you have to worry that much. <laughs> um, and, well, and, you know, Snooky and Situation now are sleeping together. I'm sure that's real. Yeah, because the Situation didn't drop that hint 90 fucking times. 
It's so ridiculous. This like something is. might have happened. She got into it a little bit. Back it in L.A. It so fucking fake. Look, I tell you something. You can't uh, tell anybody, though. Means look, you're fucking. Let's go over here to uh, Mike in Jersey City. Mike. Hey, hey, Ronnie, how's it going, man? Good. Uh, I got a moral conundrum. Mm, no. Oh no, it's a moral conundrum. Conundrum. So we're having a little party uh, last night in my backyard here. That don't make and, you a bad well, person. No, come on. No, of course not. But I, uh, one of my buddies, uh, his best friend. Out of nowhere, just punched him in the face. He's got a horrible fucking black eye and shoved his head into his cinder block. So, basically, I'm calling on behalf of him just to see, should he forgive him? What brought it on? Uh, it was, like, out of nowhere, man. It was really out of nowhere. See, the person who did that would have to be a fucking maniac. Then. Yeah, you're crazy. I mean, it isn't yeah, a matter of forgiveness. Like, that person's insane. Well, yeah, he's an ex-gangster, man. He's been in jail before. And, yeah, fuck you know, him. He's a dick. You don't want to be friends with that guy. No? No, he's only going to hurt the people he's close he, to. Why was he at the party? He's a good guy, though. He's, he's not bad. He's person. a good guy. He just fucked up your friend. He crushed your boy's head against a fucking center block. Yeah, you know what? I gotta send you pictures, man. I don't want any fucking pictures. Nah, it'll be real. You'll see. It's 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 all fucked up, man. Mike, yeah, Mike, I, you're coming I, off sounding like a pussy right now. You sound like a fucking gangster groupie. I don't even want to hear the story. It's an embarrassment. I hang out with gangsters. He has a fucking tattoo on his face. That's fucking great if they fucking treat you okay. But if they start beating you around like you're their fucking ex-girlfriend, guess what? You fucking are. Sometimes my friends hit me. Um... Here's my buddy who turned me on to the black water and the, and the brownstone sauce. Ooh. It's our own hard rock, Johnny. Johnny. How come there was no paparazzi when I was there yesterday? Not only was there not any paparazzi, but a lot of people said that they were just throwing their cameras out. <laughs> not nice. Uh, by the way, some guy, and i got to get his name, took a fantastic picture of Fez playing Jenga at Molly's the other day. And I guess he took it on one of those old school cameras, Fez, where it's like a box... Yeah, where is the name of that camera? Um, I don't know what that's called. Mm. What can we do for you today, Jenny? I, swept, I, I was some kind of sad. I'm not there on a snooky day. I kind of like she's she's funny. You know, it makes me laugh. I know that you're a Jersey guy all the way around. You're 100 percent Jersey. You told us yesterday, hey Jersey. Uh, By the way, I really like your buddy Albert there. Nice guy. He's a good guy. Good guy. I didn't know he was an NEW listener from old school, and then mm -hmm. I also didn't know that he brought sauce and black water. I don't promote it at all. Yeah, he wasn't looking for plugs. He just likes you guys. He's liked you guys forever. We've talked about you a bunch of times. You got to set it up with my producers. I would have known who he was. At least I got Jay Moore on for him. That was good. They were happy about that. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs> it was just weird that Jay was so excited about the tour. Jay is excited. They're regular people. Jay is the celebrity, and then Jay's excited about talking to them. The world's upside down now. It's nuts. It's, it's kind of crazy. This would be like, you know, at some point, fucking Mick Jagger is going to be so excited because he's meeting my aunt, uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can set him up to meet Eddie's aunt with the whole, she yeah. can make Aunt Pauline to make cookies for Mick Jagger, and he'd be excited. Um, Johnny... When is this operation taking place? I, I haven't stopped thinking about you getting your stomach cut out. <laughs> Not till November. I got plenty of time to eat, so I'm okay. What are you going to do with all your cool shirts? Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna have to. I've been thinking about it. like I could probably find cooler shirts because you know they only make a certain limited amount of stuff for fat guys, and you know, so I could probably find cooler shirts. But you're gonna re- live the rest of your life like a thin guy now. I don't think I'll ever be thin with only fifteen percent of a stomach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but if you're I, probably gonna I, weigh about one ten. I don't think I'll ever be that small. We we kind of figured out that I'd probably even out in the in the mid two hundreds. Low 200s. That's still not... I don't consider that really small. Definitely not thin. No, you're not going to be thin, but still, it'll be odd to see you like that. Oh, yeah, shit. no, it's... That's actually one of the that's things... That's if you live through this operation. operation. Yeah, well, like, you know, first I got to get through it, which is... And I know. don't understand how the taking the stomach out stops the food cravings. There's no stomach. There's the, you're, you're full quicker. But isn't that in the mind, too, where you're... But when you're full, you, it's not in your mind. A full person doesn't crave. Uh-huh. As soon as you get that full feeling, you stop craving. So what happens is you get the full feeling very, very quickly now. Yeah, yeah and he's, like I said, he, he said that, again, I, I, I don't know how this whole body thing works, but there's in the, the section of the stomach, the, the, as you, if you're you know looking down at your stomach, on the left side where they're taking out all the stomach is, on, on the wall of the stomach, that is where all the sensors that connect to your brain that tell you to eat and not eat are. So those are all gone. And he, he said, like, people, so, literally, they have to remind themselves to eat. That's how it works with this. It's like when you do math. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I thought about that, but it's, pro- it's probably less expensive to, uh, to get the operation than meth, because insurance doesn't cover the meth, but it does cover the operation. So you'll be completely insured with this. And I went and looked it up after I talked to you last night. It's... Those just those like little fucking holes, right? So you're yeah, not, yeah. Th- and they suck it through there. They suck your stomach yeah, out through a tiny hole. Yeah, yeah. It's it's laparoscopic, so it's four. They do four small, like two inch, maybe not even incisions along your upper stomach, and then one small one on the left side of your stomach, and it's all like little cameras and robots and stuff. It's like yeah. you're playing a video game inside you. It's like it's that's cool. how they did my appendix operation last year, and all those things like you wouldn't even know no scars, that I was man. cut. And if you see people in the, from old school guys that, like, when they were young, got cut yeah. open, they still have this big, nasty scar. Yeah, I know, dude. Fucking just yeah. all up, like, what? Like, got <laughs> cut open. It's, it's now, fucked how up. long ago did he have it done? Probably in the 80s. Yeah, that's how fucking... <laughs> I mean, it's not all that long ago. <laughs> no, it's... But I don't know. Would you rather have, like, a pretty cool-looking scar that you can make up a story about, or would you rather not have a scar at all? I'd rather not have a scar at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, you know, I mean, a scar is cool. Don't get me wrong. But if you can dodge one, dodge it. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, you, you ever walking down the street, like, there's a guy who sells stuff on a corner, like, 44th by the Hard Rock, and he, he's got this big scar that goes from, like, his ear all the way down his cheek, like, down to his chin, and I'm always looking at it going, man, I, I want to ask him, like, what I know, you lived a better life than you, right? Right away you think that. He lived a better life. I mean, that that's just a nasty knife scar, and, like, you know, you just want to ask him what happened there, but I, he'd probably get upset about that. Uh, here's the thing that I want you to watch out for, Johnny, and I'm very serious about this. Yes. The fucking catheter. <laughs> oh, no. I don't want them to do that. Yeah. I didn't know going in. And it was a wor- it was worse fucking pain than the operation for uh. me. I don't think they have to even do that. I'm, supposedly, it's a 45-minute procedure, and you're in and out. That's it. Yeah, I know, but will you stay awake for it? No, they put you out. Then you're getting a catheter. Oh. Uh. Stay away from that. Just fucking get a condom on there. <laughs> that, 
And that's what Fez did. Fez bitched about his catheter to me, and then I found out it was just a condom. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, they, they put the... You had the Texas catheter. That's when they go right in. Oh, uh, God, I did. Yep. That motherfucker. <laughs> I still hate that prick. I'm serious. I fucking hate that fucking prick. They're crazy in Texas. <laughs> Which prick do you hate? The one that, that put it in? That one or the one it was in? Which one? I think it was the same fucking dude. Oh. I think coming out would probably be worse, right? The anesthesia, I think, is also the strangest drug ever invented. And it's the one reason I have no fear of death whatsoever. Because it's not like it's a dream state. It's just gone. Yeah, it's just... This life is gone. Just one moment. And you don't even know that you were asleep. No. It's time travel, really. It's great. Love it. <laughs> it's, I was watching a thing on Leonard... Not Leonard Nimoy. Uh, what's his name? Morgan Freeman. I don't know how I got those two. Racist, because you're fucking racist. <laughs> oh, my God. Morgan Freeman does this thing called wormholes on I forget what t what channel it's on and they had a whole thing about like anesthesia. It was like an hour long thing about how your mind reacts and your body and it's it's kinda of creepy. You're like you just you it's like that time never existed for you. It never exists. You don't dream, you don't do anything in it, they say. Nothing happens and like literally for me when I did it, it was like, All right, we're putting this thing on uh, Mr. Bennington, everything was okay. Wow. We had a little trouble, so it took longer. And like when I checked with my chick later, she was like, "That was getting so nerve wracking because we expected him to be oh. back, and then hours went by. And like I, you know, for me, it felt like I was talking to her a minute before. Wow, that's wild. I like I wasn't even like sleepy. Like even when I would go back to sleep, it still just felt like I blinked my eyes and went back. In like, hours and, and the and the kind of growl. The, the fucking grogginess yeah. didn't feel groggy. It just felt like I was time jumping. Jesus. Do you wake up feeling like refreshed at least? Like it was a good sleep? No. No? Just groggy just, and like... Like nothing happened. Like I blinked my eyes. And at one Swore. point, I blinked my eyes. I was back with my seventh grade class. <laughs> what? I became totally unstuck in time. That's crazy. That's kind of fun. Were you like a little kid again or were you an adult? I was a black lady down south. <laughs> I got to experience every single lifetime that there is on Earth. I think that was the TV show Quantum Leap. I hope. That sounds like I might have some fun with this. Johnny, I want you to come over for, uh, next time we have Snooki in, okay? Yeah, I like her. I met her once. She was kind of fun. How's the vibe manager doing? <laughs> He's good. He's real good. He's is fine. he late every day? <laughs> nope. He's very punctual. He's a great employee. What? So he's still in training. He's a yeah. He's he's learning. He, he, I think he's learned what he needs to do right now, and he's he's doing a great job. He's always walking around, big smile on his face, talking to people, hanging out, washing dishes. No. Is he, he gonna get to wear all black, or does he have to go into a hard rock uniform? Uh, he wears black pants, black shirt, or black shoes. Not a black shirt, but like the the shirt's kind of maroonish. So it is. It does throw me off a little bit to see him with a splash of color, even though it's like... I want to get that color. picture. Yeah. I, I want to see I the can, vibe manager like that. I could manage that, I think. I think I could take a picture and send it to you. All right, Johnny. All right, boys. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. See ya. Bye. Hard Rock Johnny's quickly moving in to be my best friend. Hard Rock Johnny's fantastic. Uh, let's go over to Jason. You're on my face. Yeah, I have a two-part Ichiban. I don't even know what that word what? means, but go ahead. The <laughs> uh, first is they figured out a way to uh, cure AIDS with cancer. I mean, I'm sorry, cure cancer with AIDS. 
It's actually, they figured out a way to use HIV to cure leukemia. Jason, I'm going to just hang up for you because of stupidity. No, seriously. It's, I can send you the you link. You just said seven it. different fucking diseases. You don't <laughs> have it. Send me all the links you want, but you got to start making sense. All right, somebody just wrote this in, um, or they wrote it in earlier, to Twitter, 202 Friends on Twitter. What are the five best albums to listen to while driving from Los Angeles to San Francisco? Hicks, if I gave you one, what would it be? Gotta give me the doors. Which album? Fuck. I go live. See, I'm gonna go the first album right off the bat. But I also think that you need that album up first as you're leaving. That's what makes the most sense. As soon as they said LA to San Francisco, you're staying in California. Right. It's the doors. You're gonna the be doors listening. in LA though, because the doors never accepted in San Francisco. Okay. Yeah, they were in LA. Yeah. They were an LA band. They were the whiskey. <laughs> now, obviously, we're going to end with the dead. Yeah, that makes yeah, perfect sense, yeah. So now we're in trouble of what do you do between the doors and the dead? You're going from D to D. Do you throw in the birds? Wow. Do you piss off the dude by throwing in the eagles at all? No, I, I will refuse the eagles. That's personal taste. Do you try America when you're traveling down the Ventura Highway? <laughs> Hello, you hate the Eagles that much? Don't like the Eagles. I had eaten some acid a few years ago. That don't make you a bad person at all. And I woke up like still tripping. Like I'd eaten it like late. I passed oh, I out. I like that fucking. Woke thought. up still tripping. I was in a diner, and every song I was playing, I thought was Hotel California. I sw I swear to God, this is fucking made up. No matter what was happening, every I was the person I was. Fucking don't you love that song now? No. No. What about the Spanish version of that song? <laughs> well, better. Not a big fan. Ugh. Who does that Spanish version that's uh, from, from the Big Lebowski? Lebowski. Because I kind of love that. It's pretty cool. Here. And then you also, you love taking it easy because you're going down the road <laughs> trying to loosen your load. <laughs> that whole fucking thing was happening for you. No. Um, I'm thinking, all right. Let's go. Uh, take the Eagles down, because they're, they're off our playlist. Uh, we're now we're going doors to birds. Are we thinking a Graham Parsons needs to be thrown in to this? Are we going... Uh, do the birds have to rise up? And if they use the birds, can you not use Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young? I think you can. If you go birds, you can't use Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. I think that's, that eliminates, so you got to go one or the other. Uh, Greg, you're running for us. Uh, I definitely think as you're getting up through Santa Cruz, you definitely want to start going for some of that Northern California country alt sound that started it all way back in the day. I'm throwing Sweetheart of the Rodeo on and getting lost in the trippy slide guitars and that incredible harmony lyrics. All right, so you're all about the birds right now, but if you throw that in... Does that cost you the Crosby, Stills, and Nash? I really hope not, Ronnie, because I want to get that all CSNY by the time I get into uh, into the Marin Headlands. I definitely want to be listening to that. Uh, all right. It's really fucking difficult move. This five is, you know, and at some point I was even thinking X, you know. Oh, I thought that came to mind. But I, you mm. throw some of that L.A. 80s get, punk in there. You get some Rayman Zarek still in there, too, so you're going from the doors to the X. <laughs> Kind of ease your way into it. 
By the way, John Doe might be just one of the all-time coolest. Oh, he's cool as shit. Great um, actor, too. By the way, John Doe did a song with Sandra Bernhardt when I was going over some of her stuff. Oh, wow. He was part of, like, that whatever one of those one fucking woman shows that she was doing. Okay. Um, was he out to you on nothing? Bill, you're on the Run of Fish show. Yeah, um, I live out here in California. I'm from San Francisco. I've made the drive about probably 50 times in my life to and from L.A., and I always throw on a double Best Off Credence album when I'm going down the Central Valley down I-5. I, I love the idea of throwing some Credence into this. That's cool. I dig that. It's a nice connecting uh, L.A. fucking to San Francisco, and you got the country thing. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Now, I'm going to go with another thing. Do we look a little Western here, or maybe even start thinking about a Los Lobos? Wow. And will the wolf survive? Wow. That could fit in there in the five. Because right now we have two locked in. Doors in the dead. Give me a lot of little Los Lobos, because we're bringing the... Holy shit. That even started to fucking light me up. Is war out of the question? <laughs> I don't know there. Burns kind of British. What's that? What Burns British did you say? <laughs> Bert, Eric Burns. Yeah, but he's only on the first thing. All right. After that, it was all that old black, oh yeah, Spanish <laughs> craziness that they had going down. No, I'll go nuts if I listen to this. I wear my uh, fucking mind. Um, let's go over to Steve in San Francisco. Steve, what do you got? What's up, guys? Yeah. Um, I've, I've done that trip, L.A. to San Francisco, about 30 times in my life. And you can get about seven or eight albums in, but it's all about which drug you're taking at which part of the trip. Right. So you figured you start off with a couple joints, start off with Sublime in the morning, and then you work your way up, maybe a little doors, and then you drop acid probably around Central Valley somewhere, and then you finish up with the uh, the dead. All right. Now we know that we're we're coming into San Francisco with the dead. I do like the idea of Sublime as we're driving along. That's nice. That makes um, sense. A little forty ounces. Yeah. There we go. You might want to do a flip here. Dude. Okay. You might do flip out. Alright, uh, young guy named uh, Iowa Rob laid this on us. What are five albums listened to when driving from Los Angeles to San Francisco? Damn, I shouldn't start that talk. But life is one big question when you're staring at the clock. It's an interesting one. You don't want to fuck around with your road music at all. Uh, here's our buddy Hagen. Hagen, what do you got, pal? Hey, Ronnie, I think that this album for me epitomizes that uh, California 60s sound that's Love Forever Changes. Great album. Great album. Arthur Lee, one of the, you know, for whatever reason, forgotten fucking geniuses of rock yeah, man, and roll. Yeah, great. And oddly, Wes Anderson has brought this uh, guy back to getting us thinking about him again. But uh, Love Forever Changes, one of the all-time great albums. Choose to do, and I will be 
somebody said to me, you know that I could be in love with a wolf. Here's Matt in Ohio. Matt, you're on a Fez. Uh, we got the question asked for is leaving L.A., going to San Francisco, what albums do you need on the for your road trip? I agree with the Doors and a couple of different ones in between, but before you hit the dead, I think you got to, just before you get to San Fran, you got to throw on some Brian Jonestown Massacre. It's a good lead into the dead. It's actually a very, very good call. Early in the morning, I went out walking in the rain, hoping it would cleanse me. Of this deep and awful pain I'm feeling Freezing Feeling easy while I can Cause I got no expectations Darling, who's loving anyone again? Scott, in San Francisco, what do you need for that L.A. to San Francisco road trip? Hey guys, uh, I was going to suggest, you know, with all these rock albums and everything, I was actually going to say, why not throw in a little soul, a little jungle fever? And I was going to say, Marlena Shaw, California Soul. Mar I mean, that's her one single, but that entire album is just, she has an amazing, amazing voice. And I like the idea. I think I could road I mean? trip with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks. That lingers in your ear But you can't forget From sundown to sunset nah, nah. It's all in the air You hear it everywhere No matter what you do It's gonna grab a hold on you California soul California Uh, would be perfect for the still undone Quentin Tarantino film. It's just uh, Thomas, Thomas online one. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey gentlemen, I think I'm leaving LA with the Chili Peppers and Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and I'm pulling into the San Francisco with Master of Puppets and Metallica. Uh, very cool calls there, uh, Peppers. One of those beloved. L.A. bands. They were so. They're still. They're still huge. They're, they're fucking, still huge. People love the fucking Peppers, man. What? And Chili Peppers is one of those bands that you heard about before you saw. They're like, no, these fucking dudes are nuts. They fucking do shows with just socks on their dicks. <laughs> and you're like, what? Plus, Keith was Warchild and Point Break. Forgot about that. They fucking dominated fucking Point Break. They were the bad guys. Pissed off Tom Sizemore. He was fucking in with them for a while. Yeah. 
Nothing more important than road music. It's up there with fuck music. David, you're on the run of face show. Hey, I think you guys are on the right track, although uh, you just got to be careful about which direction you're going as far as uh, getting this list together. You're going to L.A. to San Fran. It's a different vibe. Than no, San we don't. We've got, we, we went from that. You're leaving L.A. and going into San Francisco. I got, you. I got one to add in for you. I'm totally with you on, on X or Chili Peppers leaving uh, L.A. Once you get up north, though, it's a long drive ahead of you. You got to do a little meth. Get a little cheesy, bust out a little corn before you get into Brian Jones Town and in the Grateful Dead. I'm down with that. So you're fucking. You're really. You you're planning this out as if you were a travel agent. You want it to go perfectly. I am your music travel agent. Right, every moment has to be put together properly. Hey Rob, you're on Ron Fez. Hey buddies, um, I'm going a little mellow. Uh, Billy Bragg and Wilco. They had an album of some uh, Woody Guthrie ones. A great song, California Sun. So uh, you, you're you actually thinking, hey, you guys sleep. Why I fucking put this on? I like that attitude. Put the back seat to sleep. Let them drift off. So you could be one of those guys that just wants to make sure the word California is in as much as possible. Um, Brian, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, guys. At some point, probably early in the trip, when you're leaving L.A., you're going to need to throw on some back to the album Odelay, maybe even throw on a little devil's haircut. The thing could be there is you might even want to get into an all-Scientology fucking scene for a while and try to do a Scientology theme. I'm never going to complain about Beck being on. Fuck no. What I love about Beck is he proves that you could be the weird kid and the cool kid at the exact same second. It's perfect. Every weird kid needs to see that. Hey, Paul, you're on Fez. How's it going, guys? We're going up from L.A. to San Francisco. I'm going to say some old school Zappa. Any way the wind blows from Freak Out. All right, some Zappa. And here's the beauty of Zappa. There's always one guy in the car who's like, what is this shit? And everyone else is yelling at him, genius. Way the wind blows, it don't matter to me. Cause I flew in a bus and had a fight with you. I went out 
She makes me oh so happy now I never ever do Anyway the wind blows Anyway the wind blows Anyway the wind Chris, blows. you're on the Run of Fez show. Chris. Yes. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, what's happening? Hey, I'm an East Coast guy. Never, I have never made the California trip, but the one thing that always spelled California to me when I was a kid was Jackson Brown. Running on empty. Boy, you're really fucking taking it literal here, too, right? You're going to do the running on empty? Uh, absolutely, but Jackson Brown, California, from the has always spelled California to me. Well, if you got girls in the car, they'll like you for it. You know, we had to do a thing on Jackson Brown one time of the the person who wrote a fucking great song at the youngest. That song these days that Nico fucking covered. Beautiful fucking song. But this real kind of wrung out, I've been beaten up by life. And he wrote that song when he was 16 years old. And if you listen to the fucking lyrics... It sounds like a 50-year-old man wrote the fucking song. That might be a fun show to do one day of people doing stuff young that sounded a lot older. Uh, Blowhard, what are you going for? New Riders of the Purple Sage, Panama Red, that whole album with you... songs like uh, Lonesome L.A. Cowboy and the rest. It's just cool, chill-out music. Uh, what's cool about that is I can actually even lead you into the dead since so many of those exactly. guys played with Panama it. Panama Red especially, but it's just... Rocking when you're driving with the with the roof down. Everybody's acting lazy, falling out or hanging around. My woman said, hey, Pedro, you're acting crazy like a clown. Uh, we've got our buddy Ken Shane on with us. He takes music very, very seriously. Uh, what do you got for us, Ken? Hey, Ronnie, I don't know how anybody's traveling anywhere, uh, least of all California, without some Warren Zevon, man. I mean, here, here. let's go. Let's go. French Inhaler, that first Asylum album. That's the one. Uh, all right, I love it, Ken. All right, man. A little, uh, Zivon. How you gonna make your way in the world, woman, when you weren't cut out for working? When your fingers are slender and frail? How you gonna get around in this sleazy bedroom town if you don't Put yourself up for sale Where will you go With your scarves and your miracles Who's gonna know who you are Drugs and wine and flattering light You must try it again till you get it right Baby, you'll end up with someone
Uh, what's your favorite uh, Warren Zevon song, Hicks? I know you love Warren. That's a tough one. I'm going to say maybe Excitable Boy, or I'm going to go all the way to 2000 for Life Will Kill Ya for my next trick I'll need a volunteer. That's a weird album that I just really love that I don't think did very well. Uh, the, it's too sad. Is that the one? The... It's the one right before the win. Oh, right before. Yeah, when he didn't even know he had a fucking cancer and he wrote a, a fucking album called Life Will Kill Ya. Oh, poor bastard. Jesus. Alright, so, and the L.A. thing is so funny. Uh, no Van Halen has popped up. You would think uh, Van Halen, one of the great all-time uh, bands. No Mamas and Papas. No, no one even brought up Beach Boys. And then I didn't hear any quick silver messenger service for San Francisco. I think Steve Miller is also a San Francisco guy. Where the Miller heads at? Where's the journey? Where's the journey, folks? Come on, lights, motherfucker. The lights. Um, Scott, you're on the Running Face Show. Uh, first off, I'd like to just thank you guys for turning me on to just so much music. I'm not much of a music person, and the, you know the passion you guys have for some of the music you pick out, and I've just about loaded my iPod up with the stuff that y'all have talked about. Um, but my question is, is this trip done at the daytime or at night, and does that have any effect on the music? Oh, it has all the effect of the world in music, and it's actually a hell of a question that you laid on us. Yeah, we're going to... First of all, I don't travel at night without listening to evil music. i got to feel like... Basically, like a vampire trip at night, and then daytime. Uh, I think you can almost get a little girly, and it also matters if you have girls in the car, because you're not going to fucking make them, you know, sit through a lot of fucking hardcore shit. You got to remember they like to sing along and bounce titties. Yeah, get them titties bouncing, people. Even the guys, uh, maybe not so much. Um, coming up a little later on in the show, we've got an interview with, well, is it your favorite TV show, Hicks? Yeah, when it's on, it's fucking, it's number one. Only when it's on. Well, Louie right now is picking up. Louie's like so completely different, though, from a regular TV oh, show now. Yeah, completely, just nuts. There was some... There was some article, I think, written up, um, I believe in New York, saying that it's amazing how this is so great that it's just there's no continuity to anything that happens from week to week. And yet, oddly, there is a tone that stays the same. Oh, yeah. Like, he doesn't do he doesn't do the I'm going to totally freak scenes yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sometimes if you turn on Curb, you'll see him lose it. But Louis in this I'm depressed but hopeful weird zone but you don't expect he's not a guy who loses his fucking shit and starts bashing out people's windshields no not at all he's but anyway we got off louis instead of what we should be talking about we got an interview coming up with kenny powers amazing that's so it's that's the shit he has a new movie coming out 30 minutes or less that comes out tomorrow theaters everywhere uh are they up on his ass about this film People seem weirded out. I forgot. What's Kenny's real name? Danny McBride. Yeah. Danny's got some evil eyes. There's yeah, someone underneath there. Uh, we're waiting for Mark. Uh, says hi to come by. Uh, he does raw dog comedy. Channel 99. 
He also hosts alternative comedy show Sundays and Mondays at 3 a.m. And also Mondays at 6 p.m. That's alternative comedy. Alt. Um, Sheepy thinks that term is so fucking 92. <laughs> alternative to the mainstream. It still exists, Sheepy. I think it was Madonna says, said this. Alternative to what? Popular? <laughs> I like to sell a lot of fucking records and get very, very rich from it. What's wrong with that, huh, America? Look at my tits. They're in cone bras. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, good I'm going to fuck Warren Brady now. Brady? What's his name? Warren, ba Warren Beatty. Thank you. Thank you, you fucking dick. <laughs> but you are working the repartee. You having a freeze-up, Fez? A little bit, yeah. How come? You only like the first hour of the show. Then when you're done with the prep, prepared material, you're done? Then I freeze, yeah. I'm going to blow one of those black water bottles. I'm only going to drink black water from now on. Good. Oh, black water, keep on rolling. Where's Mark? Is he here? He just got in here, yeah. Well, whenever he's ready. I don't think we need a break, do we? Uh, no, we don't need a break. Don't the sun look angry through the trees? By the way, that's my favorite one right now. Love him so much. Mark's coming in now. I consider him the Warren Zivan of alternative comedy. He drinks a pint of vodka a day. He does? Well, he's warned, he's right, here comes the man who drinks a pint of vodka a day. Mark says hi. That's the latest word on it. Mark is uh, rocking like a little hat. What's going on, guys? I'll tell you what's going on. You look like a communist with that hat on. <laughs> it's uh, someone. Someone said to me the other day when I was wearing this hat that is that a is that a Civil War replica? You know, <laughs> is that North or South? What are, what are you going? With Where did the... you want in that war? Uh, North, of course. Oh. See, I had the mm -hmm. south in points. Oh, you I did? fucked up. What was the spread on that, by the way? What well, was the, the spread? spread was uh, it was pretty. Missouri. Yeah, it was pretty fucking <laughs> destructive. And I know they say they were going to the south was going to rise again. Mm -hmm. I don't even think it rose the first time. I think that was a fucking classic beatdown jobber match. All right, we're going over the shows that you're doing here. Yes, yes. Uh, you do comedy by request uh, weekdays at noon. How long does that show last? It, one hour, just wrap. One up. hour. Yep. And you will play anything people want to hear. They call in, and they have their favorite stand. They want, like, they love a stand-up thing so much they want to hear it again. Yes. All right. I'm going to try to guess who does very well for you. Okay. But before we do that, the alternative comedy show that airs Raw Dog. This says Sundays and Mondays at 3 a.m. Yeah, it's starting to get replayed a lot now, which is good. The show's doing pretty well. Originally. It started as sort of like a 120 minutes vibe, mm -hmm, you know, a place right. to go to discover new comedy, unheard comedy, unsigned comedy, that kind of thing. And uh, so it plays Mondays at 3 a.m. East and 11:59 p.m. East, and then uh, Sunday, or I'm sorry, Mondays 6 p.m. East for non-vampires. Do you like thinking of yourself as the guy who's going to break the next big comedy uh, act, though? You know, it's not, for me, it's not about that. It's about sort of sharing the wealth. Like, I feel like when I moved to New York City and uh, I started doing comedy here, I was sort of playing in that world anyway. Right. And infiltrating 
infiltrating radio was a way for me to help my friends out. You know what I mean? It wasn't right. about, oh, I'm going to brag that, oh, I know who Hannibal Burris is because we mm -hmm. started comedy, you know, a long time ago together. I mean, that's, for me, that's not what it's about. It's about just, there's all this amazing comedy that isn't being heard and people aren't aware of it because it's not on TV. Well, this is also the problem with comedy is they tend to call the guys that are 40 young comedians. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. it takes that long to get established. So really, if you talk to, like, to the average non-obsessed with comedy person, they will tell you, hey, there's this guy that I think is really going to make it, and he they'll bring up a name that the rest of us have thought has been established for a long time. Yeah, it's, it's like the, uh, I call it the Fountains of Wayne syndrome. Like, they were nominated for Best New Artist, but they had been a band for 10 years, right. and already had three albums, but all of a sudden, Stacy's mom hits, and it's like, oh, these guys have a shot, you but know? But I thought they were re reborn with Stacy's mom, I really do. I thought that was the thing that brought them to a whole new level. Hicks, that was your prom theme, wasn't it, Stacy's mom? Yeah, can't get enough of it, <laughs> yeah. man. And here's the weird thing. You were dating a girl named Stacy at the time. Very special to both of us. That's fantastic. Now, I the the last time I saw you guys do something nutty over at Raw Dog, and I'm trying because I know a lot of times you'll do the the countdowns or the battles of, but you were doing a draft over there. When oh, I walked comedy by. draft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, now the draft went nowhere. There was no comedy <laughs> fantasy league, but that one day it was taken very serious. Yeah, we had we had Jim Brewer and and Kevin Pollock and Pablo Francisco and Harlan Williams, mm -hmm. you know some great names in in the world of comedy and uh, all the fresh young comics. Yeah, all the fresh young <laughs> comics to the mainstream folks. <laughs> and then we had uh, uh, some people from the UCB theater come by. Right. Uh, myself uh, drafting a team and it's just a, it's just an excuse to get some comedy heads in a room and have discussion did, about comedy. Did, was there somebody that got drafted that you really wanted for your team that you didn't get? Uh, no, usually, usually all the comics I like that, that are my favorites, um, actually, you know what, I think someone drafted Stephen Wright, and I really wanted him on my team, because he's my all-time favorite comic. I'm so. trying to think of who brought up the fact that Stephen Wright is one of the few people who made it just off being a comic, that a lot of people that become huge draws, it's because they got TV or movies, but this person said to me, only Carlin and Stephen Wright did it primarily through stand-up yeah primarily I, I would think i mean steven won an oscar for a short film he made so no gonna, one sees the short yeah film. no no one sees that you're right and and carlin i guess would just pop up in movies cameos here and there but that right. wasn't until way late in his career so i agree with that yeah there's very few comics that sort of just do the stand-up thing and that's it now the crossover comics because right now there's a couple of guys that are gigantic with black people, mm -hmm. not known to the white audiences. And you always say on your show, you will only play white comics. And I do, <laughs> seriously, I admire that so much. Oh, the and segregation. Great about that, it, it wasn't even taken out of context. That is yeah, a direct no, that's quote. Just literally, literally a direct quote. Well, you said something different than black. That's the only difference. But it is, you can get massive with a black audience before finally a white who's this kid now hicks that that you were pushing kevin kevin hart oh so kevin he goes, hart yeah uh you know what's happening with kevin hart and i'm like no what exactly and he plays me this thing and he's like the beatles but white america hasn't totally yeah, caught they on haven't yet. they haven't caught on totally yet i mean he he had a couple movie roles that you know, like he was in superhero movie, which was a spoof movie, right. and he did like a sort of off the wall show on Comedy Central that that didn't last too long. But 
Yeah, he became this behemoth in the black community and is now sort of like he was doing like eBay commercials mm -hmm. and people are like starting to see this guy repeatedly. Okay, now he's in a commercial with Dwayne Wade for shoes. Okay, who's this guy? And they're starting to catch on like, oh, and he's a comic too. Interesting. And uh, it's, it's, he's catching on. He's catching see, on. See, that takes me back. Community. Yeah. yeah. Pryor was immense with like black uh, community before. Like, he had had this kind of weird career before of, like, he was almost like a junior Bill Cosby. But then when he started to do the stuff that you think of, of as Richard Pryor, the, he really, you only heard from him from black guys. And then, boom, everybody caught on to him. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm 32 now, so I really got into Pryor through, it, it sounds ridiculous, but through movies. And then right. I worked my way backwards. And I'm like, this guy's just step. Right. Like, how's this guy not doing? Uh, California circuit right now? Yeah, Ali Breen uh, is uh, not well known in the comedy community, but if you're a left coaster, well then you do know Ali Breen. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily an up-and-comer anymore, but somebody that that sort of, um, you know when you get to that level, you're past up-and-comer, but then you, you tap out a little bit? Right. You know what I mean? And you're like, is it yes going no? to get better for uh, this person, yes or no? Uh, but I think she's got some potential, man, Ali Breen. I like the name. Yeah, me too. It's a catchy name. It's a good. It is. That's it's a name a that could have name. success. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's go over here to Darren. Darren, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, buddies. Um, Steve, what about Eugene Merman? I uh, love Eugene Merman. One of my all-time favorites. I used to watch Eugene Merman perform here in New York City when I very first moved here at a very cool show called Moonwork. That was a word-of-mouth show. Fifteen dollars would get you in the door. All you can drink, Sam Adams, and you'd get five comics and one musician. And uh, Eugene, uh, very popular at that show. In fact, Eugene, now here in New York City, has his own comedy festival called the Eugene Merman Comedy Festival. And what's special about that festival is he does the award show first. That's how he starts off the uh, gets festival. Gets it right out of the yeah, way. Yeah, Eugene's great, man. Uh, go to his website, eugenemerman.com. He's got this great feature called The Crooning Child. And you can see a baby picture of Eugene singing uh, various hits throughout uh, rock and roll's uh, right. existence. I'm He's starting to believe um, no, one can, no one can stump Mark says hi. I'm now ready to put the prize closet. I'm back in oh, the guy nice. Okay. I'm going to put the prize closet there. If you can stump him, and that's some asshole that doesn't fucking matter, but a real up-and-comer. Uh, this is the marvelous crooning child. Yeah, this is fantastic. Um, and this is a baby picture of Eugene. By the way, you can hear Eugene's voice on Bob's Burgers if you like that show. Bob's Burgers is also the yeah. up-and-coming thing, right, for the yeah. young hipsters. Kristen Schaal, part of that show as well. Uh, who would you say, if you're looking at the mountain of comedy right now, Yes. who's sit sitting at the peak? Whose time is this? Right now, to be on the peak of that, Louis C.K. This is not even debatable. It's that fucking. It's from my perspective, and you know, just being knee deep in comedy all day, every day. Uh, I mean, Louis's been great for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. But now, for the last seems year, all the interviews I've done, if I say, "Who are you digging these days?" with with without skipping a beat. Louis C.K. is the first comic that comes out of everybody's yeah. mouth. And th that's the comedians talking. And, uh, you know, his show on FX is doing very well. Uh, Louis is a great show. If you love comedy or you just love to watch something that means something, uh, Louis is a great show you have to watch on FX. It's almost essential now. And he's done so much. I mean, he's an amazing writer. He's written some great movies. Uh, his acting's good. 
You know, his acting's good enough. He does well. Uh, he was in that movie, The Invention of Lying, mm -hmm. with um, Ricky Gervais, which was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, Pootie Tang. I mean, that's all I have to say, Pootie Tang. Right? Crazy enough about Pootie Tang. But the amazing thing about his TV show is, like, he's doing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so crazy. I was trying to think of what... Oh, go back and compare it with a with a regular show. Like, it's 7 o'clock tonight when the sitcoms come on. Right. Sit there with a notepad and watch how many times, let's say, a 70s show is supposed to get a laugh. They just, you know, there's written joke, written joke, written joke, no even setups. And then if you watch Louis' show, you're like, is is the tension the laugh? Is this, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Like right. you're, you actually have to stay involved with that show. Uh, let's go over to uh, Lard. You got a name that can stump. Mark says hi. What do you got, Laura? Uh, J.J. Boyd. Ooh, J.J. Boyd. I think I, uh... J.J. Boyd. Oh, no! I don't think... I don't think I know J.J. Boyd. Now, I'm not going to call you out and, and say you're just naming your brother's friend or anything. No, he's, uh, he's from Long Island originally, and he's, he's really up and coming, and um, he's a good friend of mine. He's a drum corps guy, too. Uh, okay. Oh, hold on. He's a drum corps guy? Yeah, yeah. That's and he, does he do drum corps comedy? No, no. He, he did it when he was younger. He was a cadet and all that kind of stuff. I know, I, I know Barney, I, that you're into drum corps, too. So. I know that he's doing good because he has a MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> he's, you know, YouTube, some of his stuff, he's, he's quite funny. He's a really, really funny guy. So. Right, see, see, this is good. I like this because now there's a person, J.J. Boyd, who could be very funny. In fact, one of the funniest people I've ever heard. And I, too, will discover this person and help you know, share the wealth. That's what. That's why I'm doing the show uh, that I'm doing with the alternative comedy show. Because alternative comedy really ultimately gives the show a bad rap. Because when you have to sell a show to the suits, right. you got to give them something that will. And I hate to use the word category. You know, uh, you have to categorize it. Unfortunately, right. and that's 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 not my goal. That's not my mission. This is all stuff that can't be categorized, and right. that's why I'm playing it on the show. But also. I like exposing people to, you know, traditional stand-up that might just be new. Like if Lisa Lampanelli's like, hey, I'm working out some bits, let me send you one. Hey, this is a, a B-side of comedy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? This isn't released anywhere. This is raw and maybe a joke that's not even worked out and won't be worked out for two or three years. But you're going to hear it here in its rawest form on the All Comp Show. So the All Comp Show, the name itself kind of stinks, but, but it's a place that you know it's going to be different from what you're normally hearing all day long on Raw Dog, all which right. is ultimately the goal. So this uh, is great. J.J. Boyd, thank you very much. Laura, I'm going to check out J.J. as soon as I uh, leave the show. Laura, you're going to be a winner here today because you stumped. And let's give out a signed copy of Tommy Jonigan's brand-new CD, and it's comedy what? Stand-up comedy 2. Stand-up yes. comedy 2. He's great, to, by the way. I named my fantasy baseball team Tommy Jonigan Surgery. Anything, um, anyone picking up on it? Uh, yeah, not really. People Jonathan <laughs> is one of those guys that, uh, he seems like he's an Iron Man right now. Like, go ahead, I'm going to go out and do my shows. Whatever happens, I'm going to make it fucking happen, you know? The fact that he just went to L.A. surprised me. Because I thought he was going to be a road dog forever, one of those guys. Right. Like, well, a lot of guys he's from in the middle of the country. Just because he's in L.A. doesn't mean he can't hit the road. He's just setting up camp somewhere else. Right, right? but you see what he really wants. Yeah, yeah. Give me a sitcom. Tommy's World. Give me Tommy. <laughs> like, suddenly, Tommy, you know, it's like, 
he works in a cubicle, but he really wants to be a cartoonist. And he's at the uh, bar at nights, hanging out with his buddies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the whole thing becomes really, really fun. What are you looking at, J.J. Boyd? Yeah, I'm checking out. I'm curious. He doesn't even have an official website. Like, I feel like this is a borderline one. Uh, is he? Has he got a YouTube? Uh, yeah, at the Comedy uh, Corner. I at Comedy Corner where in Florida? I don't know, it just says West Latin. Palm. I'll look. Yeah, I was gonna say it's got to be down down. Well, no, this is in Wisconsin. I, I don't even know that. Mina, Wisconsin. Uh, let's play it up a little bit. Yeah. If one more person tells me. You're lucky you're not here in the mid because then it's real cold. There's going to be fucking shooting going on. <laughs> Negative 17, are you freaking kidding me? I went to start my car, I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> Fuck yourself, what this? <laughs> uh, stop there for a second. Like that he brings it in local. Hey! Yeah. I'm ripping this right out of tonight's weather report. <laughs> I'm laying it on you. And the car answers you. Fuck you, huh? No, I'm not starting. J.J. Boyd making things happening. And that's live at the Comedy Quarter. Yeah, quarter. Quarter as in... Not corner. I'm sorry. The Comedy Quarter, the cheapest place to see live stand-up <laughs> comedy today. We're giving it to you at 1934 prices. Uh, for you, Zito, who's at the top of the comedy point today? I, I think I, I'd probably go with uh, Zach Galifianakis. He's do it like just because he's, he's in all the movies. He's it's the year of him. And yet, I, I almost felt like last year was the year of him. That's what I was going to say. And this yeah. thing's the thing of him going, "Hey, am I comfortable with this?" Because he's given off a vibe that I don't know if he likes the superstardom. Yeah, he's not sure. It seems like yeah, it, it, which in turn ultimately would be a Zach. You know, right. bit. Oh, I'm not sure if I'm feeling this. Well, what was interesting I mean, is he still like has a farm. I mean, what, <laughs> yeah, he does have a farm. Um, but what was weird is like all those years he seemed like a really happy guy as he was the outsider, and as soon as he gets in, now you've seen him like. Eh. He's in page six. Like, Zach Galifianakis stormed out of a club the other yeah, night. Right. Right. Like, pissed off. What? He never fought with anyone. He didn't seem happy even Well, first of in. all, that thing that he did. Uh, yeah, the music video was, is my favorite thing that's ever happened. It's terrible. <laughs> it seriously is the funniest shit ever. Uh, that's so his the property, too. Kanye uh, West bit. And Between Two Ferns is brilliant. Yeah, Between Two Ferns is one of the funnier interview segments going on. on but now he's like he feels like he's the guest <laughs> on Between Two Ferns, wherever he goes. Um, all right, we're going to uh, try some more of these. You gotta get back on top of it. I mean, that guy that you acted like he didn't know he was. Yeah, JJ Boyd. JJ Boyd tearing that, it up at the comedy quarter. And it had five hundred and eighty six fucking hits there on YouTube. So that's once somebody goes over five hundred I expect you should to have know been him. there. Should have been there. He must um, have a big family. According to his MySpace, uh, no upcoming shows or events. Gotcha. All right, good. Taking gotcha. a little time for himself. That's not to say again that he's not funny. Uh, Joe, you're on a fest. Hey, how you? Good. Uh, I wanted to ask uh, about Doug Stanhope. How do you not consider him the all-time greatest oh, stand-up the, the, the pinnacle. Okay, so he's turning it into all-time greatest stand-up versus who's on the top of the mountain right now. Um, uh, well, Doug Stanhope is... He broke down a lot of walls as far as his style, I feel. And, you know, the not-give-a-shit attitude. Or what am I even doing here? And I also love when he wears the 
like the rivals football jersey. Like <laughs> you know, he'll go to Green Bay and wear like a Bears jersey. Like I, I love that. Well, you know, he's actually getting that from professional wrestling. That's the quickest way <laughs> right. to get heat. But the funny thing about stand-up is he proved, like, you really don't need to be sober to have a career at all. He's actually taking the drinking thing to all new levels. Yeah, I new believe. levels. He, he had a new album out, too, Burning the Bridge to Nowhere. It's a CD-DVD combo. Check it out if you're a Stanhope fan. Um, when Paul Provenza was in, he was really talking about loving what Stanhope is doing now. Mm -hmm. And the fact of, like, Stanhope is going to, if enough people get together, I'll come to your house. Rather than go to a fucking club, because that's just a waste of time. Um, and it, it would be nice just to bring a comedian into your home and let him do a few <laughs> moments. Uh, Jake, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, Mark, have you heard of Pat Oates? I'm sorry, Pat who? Oates, O-A-T-E-S. Pat Oates. He no was relation? On, they did a, um, he used to be with... Uh, Shecky Hall, and they were the Hall Notes <laughs> of comedy for quite a few years. All right, here is Pat Oates. Let's check out Pat Oates. Um, visitor number 1,834, it says right. here on his website. Yeah, he's a Connecticut comic. That is the hotbed right now. All right, here he is playing a smaller club, but let's get a, a look at this if we can. Oh, yeah, it's been great comments left. This next guy hails from New England. He's playing Ha. Huh? He's playing Ha huh? huh here city. in New York City. You've seen him on all the TV shows. Please welcome Mr. Pat Oates. Is that credit you saw him on TV? Yes, yeah, it works. Where the fuck are we? This is crazy. Oh, shit, I saw you before. I saw you too on Coughlin, but you stole my shit. Oh, I'm liking him. Yeah. Well, I didn't hit the bitch, it wasn't me, I swear! Taking care of hecklers wow, right out of the game. It's like when they film Fight Club. This is fucking fun like the big. I like this whole group. It's like a college brochure. <laughs> oh, shit. Again, ripping it right out of the headlines. I think that was a current joke. Um, yeah. Pat Oaks uh, has somewhat of an Irish alky look, too. I'm liking that. Very He's crushing it, though. He's got a heart in the palm of his hand. We might see this guy here in the streets of Times Square because most people that perform there at Ha are the Barkers. You know, oh, is the that right? Are on the street. Hey, do you like live comedy? They'll come right up to you, try to yeah. sell you some tickets, uh, which is a good thing. I mean, if that's how you're going to get people to watch you do your bringer shows, fine. But um, I don't know. I, 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 mean, I think it's horrible that the clubs do that, though. I mean, I, I think it's it, it it took something where New York City comedy used to mean something, right, right, and turn it into shit. Do you know where that started? Because I've only been here since '01, so uh, it's always been it's always been on. there. Yeah, since I've been here. Yeah, I just find it to be hard, you know. But at one point in New York, you couldn't get into any comedy club, right? You know, the Brigham shows to me are always embarrassing. Well, they um, when I, I worked at Gotham Comedy Club mm -hmm. for a little while before I started here at Sirius XM, and Chris Mazzilli, the owner over there, made it a point to not do that. He he agreed. He, he right. thought it was very disrespectful. He thought it it uh, dumbed down the level. 
of uh, comedy and, mm-hmm. and talent that was in the room. And it's his job to get people in. Right. It's his exactly. job to have the best comics the and they get the people in. You know, and that's why he's getting paid and these guys are getting whatever, you know. But it's one thing to go out there and say, I'm willing to sit here and earn my, my chops uh, working for free or next to free. It's another thing to make them stand out in the fucking street. Like well, not this. only that, but overcharge tourists who don't know. Right. And then they're going to go see, because they'll say, oh, as seen on Letterman and Comedy Central, yeah. like, if that's even true. And then these people get duped into buying tickets, and then they got to buy drinks, and then they're seeing a whole bunch of comics that maybe have performed three times. Yeah. And it's every five feet yes. when you're in Times Square. It's just fucking ungodly. Well, that's probably why I haven't heard of Pat Oates. I like no, him. No though. offense to Pat Oates. I like him. I like where he's coming from. He's my new. He's my new favorite guy. Uh, here's Dave in Tennessee. You're on my face. Dave, we got you. We lost. Here's uh, another Dave in Wisconsin. Hey, Mark. I got a comic for you. Yeah, what's up, man? Uh, he's a comic from my hometown. Um, Pete Lee. Yeah, Pete Lee is actually a good friend of mine. Oh, Pete good. Lee. Pete Lee is obsessed with running. That yeah, guy. Yeah, he is. You will never. You will never see that guy not running, actually. And uh, even won- on stage, that's yes. his, <laughs> even on stage, that- he works out a little bit. He uh, he won CMT's next big comic. They had a competition on the the channel CMT, and uh, Pete received the most votes and did well for himself. And uh, he's so a good th- dude, man. Real that- funny guy. Clean. He's a clean comic too. But is that uh, is he a country kind of comic? Is that the no, CMT connection? Not really. He's just a relatable comic, mm-hmm. which I think will ultimately suck you into that southern vibe a little bit. He's just a regular dude and uh, very f- just naturally funny. Right, let's take a little uh, look at Pete Lee here. He's the up-and-comer. CMT loves him like there's no tomorrow. Uh, Mark says hi is here. Mark, uh, of course, working at Raw Dog, doing two different shows. One where he's going to play you the best of your picks and stand-up. And the other one, alternative comedy, which is his chance to break in some new guys. Here's Pete Lee. Oh, that music, huh? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> this is perfect. Nothing screams comedy like that. Keytar. It's great to be in New York, man. This is so awesome. This is great. Oh, everyone thinks he's gay, by the way, because of his voice, but he's not. Well, that's too bad for the gay uh, community. <laughs> It's weird living in New York, because, like, I'm not very tough, you know? Like, because my name is Pete Lee, and, uh, you can't be tough if your name is Pete Lee, because my name has four E's in it. <laughs> my name sounds like the horn of a moped. It's like, Pete Lee! <laughs> Pete Lee! My name sounds like if a moped had a really sissy car alarm, you know? It's like, Pete Lee! Pete Lee! Pete Lee! Whoops! Whoops! Here's the weird thing about his voice. He does sound like Sheepy, right. uh, but then he looks like Al Dukes. So I don't know how it all, I don't know how it all comes together like this. Uh, all right, Pete Lee, we're digging in a big, a, big a, way. A funny dude, yeah, and a clean comic, too, which is really hard to find these days. He's a young Brian Regan. Yes. We're going to call him a young Brian Regan. Nice. Um, let's go over to Sean. Sean, uh, try to stump Mark says hi. Uh, oh, sorry, Ronnie. I was just tripping off the treadmill video. Um, listen... <laughs> Okay, goes treadmill video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, have you heard of Dale Hilton? Dale Hilton. I have not heard of Dale Hilton. Where's Dale Hilton from? 
He's uh, out of Kansas City. Uh, he's now cur- his house burned down. Actually, he's currently trying. He's turning the country now, looking for a place to stay. So I'm sure he's a friend honey. of mine. So, 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 he's, yeah. so he's not doing stand-up comedy. He's looking yeah, for a place to live. He is. He is. He's doing stand-up. He's been doing that for eleven years. Okay. He's part, the, uh, he's part of the WTF comedy troupe out of Kansas City, but uh, he's gone some hard times, and now he's. Uh, the WTF comedy troupe is going to be sued by Mark Marin. Yeah, I was just going to say as we speak. All right, let's take a. Uh, all right, hold, hold, I'm going to put you on hold here. Let's take a look. This is just them as the troupe. We don't. I'm trying to find a video of. It. I'm on his comedy MySpace, but one looks like hypnotism. One is. It looks to be a lot of stuff from the. Oh, so it's, it's like a mentalist. Troop, yeah, this guy's like a mentalist yeah. or something. Okay. But it looks like the WTF troop is trying to get over. And he has the question mark and everything. Yeah, it's nice. Oh. What the fuck? Marin's oh, going to put a cease and Here's one. Oh, here we go. Okay. And everybody on Sturgis talks like this. Now I talk like this on Sturgis. Yeah, I like my motorcycles. I can't ride one yet, though. I'm a 12 year old little girl. All right, I'm not. I'm not gonna waste any time and just say I love him. I'm just love the guy. It's a biker bar comic, right? Yeah, there. fuck, he's it's hanging in nines. tights. Anyone who goes, hey, you ever notice when you've been to Sturgis? You're, play- <laughs> you're playing a rough fucking room, and he's handling it. He's got a black T-shirt. He's got a leather, leather. fucking vest. Yeah, nice. Ah, Sturgis. All right, with with this screen paused, I know the the listeners can't see this, but you thinking ponytail back here? Back I hope so. Ponytail? I really okay. do hope so. Better. It's a fucking good. look. I would like to see a sleeve. Fourteen just, friends, by the way. Fourteen friends on MySpace where he has his post. Fourteen he, friends, but everyone would kill for him. No, he has seventy-five. He's dis, he's displaying. Uh, he's 14. displaying. Let's not. All right, seventy-five. He should have someone to stay with then, since yeah, his house insane. burned. Uh, Sad story, though, man. That stinks. Uh, you down. know what? It's only going to make him, you know, try harder. Yeah, that's what I love about it. And he'll get some great material out of that too. You ever notice the smell of smoke when you wake up? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what? I got a real horrible joke I heard the other day for you. I want to see what people think of this. What's <laughs> this is a, this is a terrible? What's black and sits at the, sits at the top of the stairs? What is black and sits at the top of the stairs? Uh, tell us. Uh, Christopher Reeve in a house fire. Oh, uh, see, the thing too is... Too soon? Well, I heard that He's already day. dead, though. I know. Too late. I mean, it would have worked really great if he was alive. But someone but, told me that the other day. I didn't know how to react to it. Why not just in kindness? I like, mean, it was, hey. it was clever, but, I'm, but I, I was in the same boat. I'm like, this guy's dead already. <laughs> and he didn't die by a house fire, so I didn't... But... Uh, that's where the dark comedy's coming from these days. I I, I, yes. I hope not, unless they're <laughs> fucking really Dixie Riddle cups are coming out there. All right, here is uh, Jimbo. Jimbo, what do you got? Yeah, how about uh, Frank Roach from Detroit? Frank Roach, Detroit, Michigan. I do yeah. not know Frank. Well, he's, actually, he's actually up in uh, Wisconsin now, but he's from Detroit, and I... Uh, He's did he got a movie coming out too? Now, did he move to Wisconsin for the comedy? Uh, fucking seeing this happen on there. Go to his IMDb page. Well, he moved up there because his parents are rich. All right. So, All right, so yeah. he's out of Motor City, and he's in Wisconsin. Yeah, see. Let's see, Jimbo, what town in Wisconsin? Ah, uh, shit! I, I think he's over by the by the western part of the state. That does seem like where you want to be to do stand up. All right, let's try to get a little bit Appleton, of... Appleton, Wisconsin. Yeah, sure. There's a lot sure. of stand-up going on down there. Let's uh, get a little look at him. Welcome to comedian 
Frank Roach's page. Uh, there he is in front of a crinkle curtain, which I love. That's going old school. I mean, I was a jittery kid from the go anyway. Our ice cream man was 85 with a tracheotomy and a hole in the throat. First time he stopped the truck, blast up. Uh, let's stop it there. It fits in perfectly with the Sturgis material. Uh, I'm going to move them ahead in this countdown that we're doing. <laughs> I would just keep moving people ahead today. Frank Roach, R-O-C-H-E. I'm loving him. He's got to get some kind of a Roach clip that he hands out right. so people remember him. Uh, here's Morgan in Washington. We're trying to stop. Mark says hi. Hey, uh, how about Kyle Cease? Yes, Kyle Cease actually has been doing comedy uh, almost as long as he's been alive. You might know him as, uh, uh, God, what's his name? Bucky Schoenstein, maybe, in 10 Things I Hate About You. He was the rich golfer kid mm -hmm. who had the party at his house. Bucky Lowenstein? I can't remember his character's name. Anyway, been doing comedy for a real long time. In fact, he, um, out in L.A., he has a comedy camp where people can go and learn how to do stand-up comedy. It's like a comedy boot camp. And it's uh, it's kind of a neat idea, and he gets legit people to be there, to be on the panel. Like Jim Carrey showed up one time. And Do you have to stay in a tent at this camp? <laughs> I don't, what are you I don't do? think so. You just show up you uh, go away at for the, the summer? venue. Is, and uh, it, it's kind of like a comedy boot camp. You know, It's just like a day thing. It's not like So a, you, you teach regular people... How to do stand-up. Yeah, to do stand-up or just learn more about it. And mm -hmm. it's and he brings people that are in the business to teach you about it, so it's legit, you know. Uh, but yeah, Kyle Cease, C-E-A-S-E -E is how you spell his last name, Kyle Cease. There's a little bit of Kyle. And try to turn on the TV. It's impossible. They have like 45 remote controls, right? <laughs> have you ever had your friend tell you to turn on the TV and then he leaves? You're just like, oh, <laughs> pick up a remote, push a button, and their blender starts running, you know? Push another button, and their dog dies. You're like, you have a button for that? You have a dog death button? That's so awkward for me. Alright, I'll just say that I'm ready to go to camp. I'm ready to fucking pull up stakes and head to camp. Um, oh, Bogey Lowenstein, that's his name. Sorry, I just had to, that was bothering me. I apologize. Now I know who he is, Bogey. <laughs> uh, Mike, you're on my first. Hey, uh... The Philly comedy scene is a little tiny micro scene going on with this uh, one or two guys that are probably going to make it big. One guy is Doogie Horner. He got on America's Got Talent. Do you know him? I, I don't know him. This micro micro scene. Where is this scene going down at? Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Philly. I really, should know uh, that. Really nice burgeoning uh, Philly scene. we got a Ron Bennington's uh, fellow that came from there. All right. Let's take uh, a little look at Boogie. Paula Doogie. Tompkins also from Philly. Doogie Horner. All right. The crowd is just tired. They're over it. Everything I know, I learned on the streets. Except breakdancing, which I learned at summer Bible camp. My friend asked me, he said, if you could be any animal, what animal would you choose to be? And I said, an eagle. And he said, why? So you could fly? And I said, no, so I could finally have sex with eagles. I love that. This guy's a real anti-comedian. It's very Neil Hamburger. Yeah. Have you guys heard about the rises? Unbelievably famous. You are terrible people. What's the matter with you? I have jokes I'm gonna tell. Oh, forget it, I'm out of here. I'm gonna find you people. I'm gonna hunt you down like bugs. I'm gonna squish you in your houses. This is the worst crowd I've ever 
hate you, I hate you, I like you, I hate you, I like you. Yeah, because you've got to do it clean, you know? You can't. Getting a standing up. Turning around. Turning around. Won their love. Buggy. Good job. He's like a young Bill Burr. Turning him around. Uh, I will always say this. Here's his big problem. You got to shave that beard off. They gotta have. You gotta be able to see the facial expressions. Interesting. There's, you know, there's a touring group called the Beards of Comedy. Mm, I thought that was just girls that date uh, gay guys. <laughs> so if you if you were in a relationship with Judy Gold, is that what you're saying? Yes, more or less. <laughs> that would be it. Um, it's a very famous beard right there. Here's uh, Ryan. Ryan, you got uh, the stump mark says hi from Roldo. Hey, what's going on, Ron? I, uh, I got one here. How about uh, Bo Burnham? Uh, love Bo Burnham. This guy will be legend. Bo Burnham, um, before his 18th birthday, had two releases on Comedy Central Records, an EP and a full album. Uh, he's been seen in some Judd Apatow movies. And he's... Not so much a stand-up as a theatrical performer. He raps. Uh, in fact, he's an amazing rapper. And he'll, he'll go up on stage and play the piano. Then he'll play guitar. Then he'll just do some straight stand-up. Then he'll do poetry comedy. Then he'll do some theatrical stuff. Uh, a YouTube sensation. All from YouTube. All from YouTube. But yeah. this guy, I would say, between him and uh, comedia rockers, I call them mu musicians who also do comedy, um, John Lejoie have made a successful transfer from YouTube success to legitimate. They can actually you know, draw. Yes, they're they're not someone who had like a a funny five minute bit and then has no. material these now, guys are really good at what they do what do stand-ups that have been slugging it out for years on the road do they hate these kind of guys are they jealous of these kind of guys interesting you bring that up because that's a it's a common question in my interviews because what happens nowadays everyone films everything you know with their right. phones or their flip cams and if you're at a stand-up comedy club and say someone like anybody a sarah silverman is out on stage working out a bit She's just she's working out a bit. Bits take uh, sometimes sure. up to years to get perf you know to be perfected, and so what happens is someone records every single second of everything ever, and it gets posted, and it's a very frustrating thing for these comics, traditional comics, right. just trying to work out material, and it's on some shitty recording and it doesn't even sound good, so you might miss parts of the joke, you know. And like you said, the joke isn't done yet. I mean, most people don't realize it that. Writing material, if you could just write a minute a week, you would have a new special a year, and it's that difficult to write. If you get a, a one minute a week that is good enough to be in the rest of your fucking show, you're a great writer. Right. Most people don't get that because in the back of their head, they think the person just walks out, they're improvising. Did you see that thing with Chappelle where he wouldn't do a show? Yes. Because yes. <laughs> And so many people were writing, Chappelle has a meltdown. or right. And I'm like, I'm fucking proud of the guy. Just like, Me no, too. I'm not going to fucking do it. I'm not giving this away. 
anybody hung on up there. I thought it was great, but the papers completely missed uh, the fucking hook on this. But this guy, it's not a matter of... He actually puts his material out on YouTube, mm -hmm. wants it out there on YouTube, and became a star out of it. It's a, certainly a different way to go, but I can never blame anybody that goes and finds their own audience. It's not yeah. like he's taken an audience. Well, I mean, he was in high school right. when he started doing this. And he was, you know, he wasn't really popular or anything. Just started doing doing this, and getting once you start getting millions and millions of views, I, and and he's coming from a time now where it's expected that people are going to record everything. Right. It's expected. That, so all that makes him do is write more. And and this is like a Stephen Wright on acid. This kid is so clever. He's one of the smartest brains I've ever... I saw him on Green Room, uh, Prevenza's show. That's yeah, a great show, by the way. I love Paul on that show. And uh, was wondering, like, wh who exactly he is, because I had no idea who he was. Mm -hmm. So I only s I've seen a couple things. I haven't really seen enough to uh, judge him yet. But it is nuts when you see how many people who attempt to go viral. And it's not an easy thing to pull off. Right. A lot of people are acting like, well, you just put some stupid, get kicked on the balls and fucking, you know, go viral. doesn't necessarily happen that way. I have friends that are constantly kicking themselves in the balls and can't get past the, that certain point where it just takes off on its own. Um, we'll do one more here. Here's Josh in Mississippi. Hey, Rob. What's going on? Good. I have a guy that I... I served in the Air Force with a few years back. His name's Eric Krug. He won a Austin City Limits Funniest Man of the Year. I can't say I'm aware. You got me on the last one. All right, we're going to look him up. Austin Krug? Krug. K-R-U-G. He did a bit on TV called Tupac or Anne Frank. I think that was well viral, like the premise. I'm not sure. All right, we're going to take a look at uh, Eric Krug here, who's the funniest man in Austin. And soon to be, I believe, the funniest man in Boston. I think he's just going to keep going. <laughs> uh, here he is. You know what I really, really like about MTV besides nothing? Um, I really like that they're willing to take a time out from creating their hard-hitting dramas to educate the youth. I don't know if you knew that. MTV does a lot of uh, documentaries. Uh, they did one on the Holocaust a couple years back. I don't know if you knew about that. Pretty awesome. Uh, I actually saw this promotional featurette on MTV that they were advertising for the documentary and on this featurette I saw the producer from MTV Films waxing intellectual with her hip young viewing audience by comparing the writing of Anne Frank with that of rapper Tupac Shakur. <laughs> actually happened. I saw this and uh, she basically was saying that even though the words were different, the message was the same. And uh, in keeping with MTV's commitment to programs that not only entertain but enlighten, I've actually been in talks with the network to create a new game show called Tupac or Anne Frank, <laughs> in which we give the contestants a line of dialogue either from the Diary of Anne Frank. All right, let's just stop it there for a second. I can't wait for this, but boy, did he make us. Yeah, this is the longest <laughs> fucking setup ever. Yeah, it's a pretty we lengthy. Didn't, we didn't need the MTV. We didn't need this. We didn't need to hear about documentaries. Let's get to the bit, Eric. <laughs> Frank, or from one of Tupac's many hit songs, and we see if they can figure out who the author is. <laughs> and I feel like this is a great chance to give it a test run. Maybe run a couple practice rounds by you guys, because you seem like a very literary crowd. So, uh, here we go. We're going to play a little Tupac or Anne Frank right now with you, the crowd. All right, number one. I don't think of all the misery in the world, 
but of the beauty that still remains. Tupac or Anne Frank? The correct answer is Anne Frank. Yes. Obviously, you need to read more MTV. All right, number two. Revenge is like the sweetest joy next to getting <laughs> Tupac or Anne Frank. Mm, split down the middle. Correct answer, Tupac. Yeah, I'm always, uh, always a little surprised how many people get that one wrong. Kind of feel like that should be one of the easier ones. All right, number three. Even when they kill me, they can never take the game from a young G. <laughs> Trick question. That was both, actually. That was both. Uh, consider me part of Team Krug. Team Krug. Uh, Josh, you were in the, in the service with them? Yeah, we both served out of Texas in the Air Force. All right, Air Force guys. All right, thanks. Cool. I'll definitely be investigating more of that. You've got to. It's Tupac or Anne Frank, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Tupac or Anne Frank. Uh, I think you've got to go back to Steve Allen reading lyrics before you're going to get that kind of enjoyment. Uh, Mark says hi. Thanks so much for seeing us. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for having well, me. Well, we've been asking you to come back for yeah. a long, long time. Thank you for uh, making this happen, man. Love and, you guys. Uh, that got really sentimental. It was a little yeah, sentimental. Sorry, I just, yeah. Look, I'm from in the Midwest, man. We love everybody. I didn't so. know that. I didn't know that, <laughs> that you guys were that comfortable with your emotions. Uh, but check them out. It's um, Comedy by Request. That's weekdays, noon in the East, Raw Dog. And then also, what you're really proud of yeah. is your alternative show. Mondays at 6, and then uh, there's 3 a.m.s on uh, Sundays and, and Monday midnight nights. too. Yeah, yeah. It's a good time. It's a good time. You'll hear something you've never heard before, which is uh, the mission of the show. So, All right. Thanks so much. Mark says hi. Thanks, buddy. Hey, coming up, uh, we've got Kenny Powers' interview. Danny McBride. He's got a new movie coming out this Friday, 30 minutes or less. Give me the Rotten Tomatoes on that right now. And, of course, also season two of Eastbound and Down is available now on DVD. When season three starts, Fez? Are we looking soon? I think we're shooting. Uh, we're shooting. Like, I'm part of the on you the are. set. You are part of it. I think they're shooting it now, maybe for next summer. Mm. What are you guys doing during your hiatus? <laughs> you playing some movies? I'm going to concentrate on my writing. <laughs> All right, what are we at right now? I'm showing uh, 47%, which is actually... Better than Transformers, well, better than the best movie ever, The Change Up, and better than Cowboys and Aliens. Well, the thing is, you know, when you're doing the crude comedy thing, you're going to lose half the audience right there. Were you embarrassed to say 47 like I was going to ask you to lie? No, no, I just, I, see. Oh, that Change see, Up that you love so much really flopped, huh? Yeah, also now it's down to 45, another review. God damn it. In. God damn it. Um... But this guy's had an amazing career. I mean, he went from completely unknown to one of the top comedy stars right now. All right, uh, we break. Uh, we'll be back, Danny McBride, in a little bit. It's Ron and Fez show. Ron Bennington, Fez Watley, Ron and Fez on the virus.
right. Danny McBride in studio with us. Yet another film coming out. I, you know, I gotta tell you the truth. I don't know too many guys that have slipped in to the American consciousness as seemingly easily as you have. Right under the radar. Yeah. Stealth jet. <laughs> it has that. been. Yep. You have gone from nobody knows who he is to a hit TV series and hit movies with, as far as I can see, no backlash yet. None yet. After this movie, that's when it will start. <laughs> we'll get a compound and hide and run away. Yeah. Has it seemed weird to you? Has it seemed like... Uh... Uh, you know what? I guess I've been writing and trying to do this for so long, and I just now that I have these opportunities to, I just like kind of work at it even harder. So I uh, I don't even really have and even been spending much time like embracing it. I try to look around every now and then, and be like, "Oh wow, this is crazy! I'm getting paid to do what I've been wanting to do." But right. I've been writing like a madman for for many years now, so it's, it's nice to definitely make that the primary job. Do you know when it started to make the the turn? Could you feel the day that okay, the opportunities are going to open up? Yeah, it, it uh, you know, the first movie I ever did was a small film called All the Real Girls that uh, a, an old college buddy of mine, David Green, directed, and he directed Pineapple Express and directs on Eastbound and Down, and uh, that was the first role I ever had. It was back in 2001, and it went to Sundance, and that was kind of my first experience with any movie stuff. And, uh, you know, I went back to my job after that and was out in Los Angeles waiting tables and PAing, and, uh, you know, finally Jody Hill, another collaborator of mine, another guy I went to college with, he wanted to make this film called the foot fist way and we wrote it together and uh we spent it was we shot it for like 40 grand and like it was like 16 days i think all together and you know once we finished that and it, that got into sundance a lot of heat started generating around that pretty right. quickly and so then it suddenly was becoming a lot easier to get get you know you know to get meetings and to start getting people to read your stuff but even that film was it one of those things where people are like this is so funny but it's not mass appeal like totally. you you were the guy that funny people would think was funny but not thinking that regular americans were going to get it totally i mean that movie was uh yeah it was definitely not made for a mass audience it looked like a low budget porno on cinemax and, <laughs> right. uh, yeah and so we were getting respect from people that we really admired uh in the comedy world but uh at the same time it hadn't really translated to like uh you know or, or any sort of recognizability with like a with a mass audience and but you know it did make an impression on guys like Will Ferrell and Judd Apatow, and so these were guys that were starting to employ me in, in different things, and from that, it started to kind of build from there. Did, did When you got the series, were you thinking, i got to decide between TV and movies, or any opportunity comes up is a good one? Yeah, it was kind of any opportunity that comes up as a good one. But with the series, you know, Jody and myself, who's the other creator, we always imagined the series being something that would be very small, that we would only do a short number of episodes, that we wouldn't be locked into something where we got to pump out 25 episodes in a season. We always saw it as just kind of an enlarged film. You know, we really wanted to make something a little bit larger than just a 90-minute comedy. We wanted to make something that almost was, you know, if we had our ways, we would have made it as like a four-hour movie. But we right. knew at that point nobody was going to to greenlight a four-hour movie from guys who just came off of a $40,000 Sundance movie. <laughs> right. But, you know, when we saw the first episode, I remember we watched it like five times, cracking up, didn't think this was the type of thing that could catch on. And then even after the first season, we went, I hope they don't come back with this. I hope they keep it perfect. Second season, we were nervous coming in, and you pulled it off, which is weird because 
it's almost like the character went into a different movie. Yeah. You know, it's not the same show as the first season. Well, you know, and that was kind of by design for us. We we saw we've always seen the show as something that was three seasons long. It has a it has three acts and and each season is just an act basically. And you know, that all three of them together just tell one large story that right. pays off. And so for us that was what was kind of exciting about HBO embracing this concept because we felt like we were going to be able to do something different than what you normally see with comedies that it it isn't kind of becomes less about the situation and does weirdly take on sort of this epic journey by the time it's all over with there's so much detail shit that's so funny in that show uh the coke scenes i'm not going to ask you anything but <laughs> if anyone's been there the detail is perfect yeah that's always the stuff that trips my parents up the most They're like why do you know about this yeah right <laughs> why do you know about the small looks the weirdness that catches on uh, when there was the thing of yeah, I was I haven't gotten into w widespread, but I'm thinking about doing it more. Those little fucking conversations that you just get caught up with that are just deadly. Yeah, yep, yep. It's such a great show. I also I want to bring up. Uh, I think one of the most brilliant things you mentioned in in Pineapple Express, but I always thought one of the funniest things that's ever happened in the world. It's the only action film where the guys sit around in the end and try to put the film together. Oh, yeah. Like what? You were in a car chase? <laughs> I could watch that scene over and over, just how funny it is of guys from an action film finally figuring out how weird it got for a while. Yeah, you know, that was one of the funny things on Pineapple is there was not an ending for that movie for a large part of the shoot. You know, they weren't really sure does it end at the barn after right. it explodes and uh, and then one day Evan and Seth came in with the pages that were, you know it was very loose. It was just like, alright, we think it might be kind of funny just to have these guys sitting in this uh, diner just talking about their favorite parts in the movie. And so that day we shot that, we just spent a whole day uh, David Green is really into improv, and so they just set two cameras up, and we just, you know, we went there and just talked about the movie all day long and just filmed it, and they just cut that together. <laughs> it's the funniest <laughs> shit in the world. I'm like, why hasn't this ever even happened in a Steve McQueen movie? Yeah. <laughs> there, there should, guys should have said, wait, what just happened? It is the funniest shit ever. I will rewatch that. All right, you got a new film coming out. And this one's 30 minutes or less. And this is, is it based on that true story that was in the news? It, it's not based on that story. I mean, I can't really speak on behalf of the writers of what they were inspired by. But, I mean, you know, there obviously is a true story about a pizza guy who blew up trying to rob a bank. Right. So I'm not sure if that was a point of reference for these guys or not. But the st I, they, if it was, that sort of idea or that concept of somebody going that far to rob a bank is, is really all that, that is kind of present in this film. Like, uh, you know, I play the villain in the movie. And I despise my dad, and when he kicks it, I'm going to get a large inheritance, and I'm afraid that he's going to spend that money before he dies. So I want to speed things up a little bit, and I decided to hire a hitman to knock him off. But hitman costs money, and I have no way to pay for this hitman. So then I come up with a brilliant plan that I should kidnap a pizza guy, strap a bomb to him, make him rob a bank so that I can pay the hitman to kill my father. And none of that was in any news story. None of that was from yet, the news yet, story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it all come out. So are comedies fun to make, or is it work? Is it tough work? Uh, they're definitely fun to make, but they yeah. also are are definitely work. You know, the only thing even remotely serious that I've done has been All the Real Girls and Up in the Air. And it is a different vibe on those movies, for sure. I mean, on those films, it's like you can... Uh, you know, as long as you're like getting the 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 vibe across and getting it across, so, like you're not really looking to the crew to laugh and everything. And that that you know, with comedies, it's like 
if it's been a long week, if it's been a long day, and you're tired as hell and you want to get there, like you still have to sort of muster this sort of energy that's going to elicit laughter, which isn't easy to do all the time on a set, especially, you know, 60 days into something where you're exhausted and, you know, everybody's getting on your nerves and you still got to figure out a way to make this feel cool. Well, the the kind of, I guess, real-life awful thing for you is that you have turned being pissed off when you're pissed off or when you're losing or aggravated. The rest of us are now cued in to laugh. That's so <laughs> you your bad days could start. They could help. I, yeah, this is like almost like Twilight Zone where you finally get what you want. But people are, you know, it starts to turn on you a little bit. It, it is funny because even the reaction to, uh, you know, on Foot Fist Way when we first started playing with that concept. Yeah. Uh, and that was really kind of the idea for Eastbound. Is Jody and I had done Foot Fist, and we really only had shot that in a handful of days. And we really started getting into that idea of kind of centering a movie around this sort of anti-hero and tr basically the villain in the story and figure out a way to get the audience to kind of get behind that person. And we really wanted to kind of open that up more in Eastbound. But that concept was something that was new to us that we hadn't really tried before. And even when we put it out there in front of the public, most people didn't really get what that was. Sure. The first time I went on any talk show was on Conan. I went in character as as Fred Simmons and did this karate demonstration where I blew it. And I end up at the end of the demonstration, you know, telling Conan to fuck off and yelling at Will Ferrell. And, uh, and the message boards lit up. People were furious. They were like, who is this guy? He should lose his karate school. He should never be around children. And, you know, so it was fun to be able to... Uh, to present something like that where people didn't have any clue and then kind of see how now through the years people have caught on. Confidence is something that you play with. Like, the fact that the more confident your characters are, the less responsible they are, the less they actually have going for them. It's, it's totally true. I mean, and that, that honestly is kind of where the basis for Kenny comes from. It's I, I think he's kind of based on a lot of just different people that Jody and myself have kind of grown up around. These sort of southern dudes who have like, who have such confidence but they live it, you know, they live in a shithole. They're not the master <laughs> right. of any domain and you know, they, they have all this insane confidence but absolutely nothing to back it up with and that's always just been, I think, a... Uh, I don't know, just like a formula that I think is just hilarious. Well, what has gotten funny is over the years, white people have gone nuts. Yeah. In this country, white people have taken themselves into the strangest, strangest way. And you're just driving around the country and you think, is, is everyone being ironic? with yeah. this you know? <laughs> it's, we have lost our shit and i don't know whether it had to do with money or everybody wanting to be famous but we've gotten nuts we, we're, we're, we're off the deep end for sure yeah. yeah obsessed with celebrity yeah and that and that works for you now that's the thing that works for you. It works, yeah. It works with this character specifically very well. You know, it's like what uh, a lot of the trappings of our, you know, sort of how it is for modern day folks. Uh, you know, I mean, he's he's a guy obsessed with celebrities. You know, he has these crazy political views of, right. of the of of how his country is better than every country, and even if he's not even educated on really what his country's doing, <laughs> yeah, right. Know, like, it's like he just watched Rocky Four and he just like lives by all everything in that movie and the that he gets a jet ski he thinks life is good yeah. look at this <laughs> don't fucking tell me anything i get a jet ski it's so funny now did you did, was your comedy based on anybody like growing up because i can't trace it with you i don't know exactly where it's coming from 
But did you have like comedy idols that I want to do something in this direction? Yeah, you know when I was a kid, I you know Eddie Murphy's Delirious, I had memorized like from a very early age on. I loved it. I would watch mm. it all the time, and then that led me to Richard Pryor, very young, and uh, and Bill Murray. Like those were kind of the guys to me that when I was growing up way earlier than I probably should have been into those guys. I was I was into him. I loved, you know, that Bill Murray was in all these like films, but he was always the one that was a little rougher around the edges, right. a little dirtier than everyone else in the movie and I don't, something about that just appealed to me. I thought it was funny. Uh Eddie Murphy probably for people who came up after the 80s have no idea no. just how gigantic Eddie Murphy was. Yeah. At one time, he was insane. I mean, there was it was you know with anything from Golden Child to you know even things like Harlem Nights and even Boomerang to you know yeah. to uh, you know he could just smile and whatever and it's just hilarious. Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, yeah, he used to anything that guy would do used to crack me well, up. He was doing these giant movies and then he was selling out stadiums with his stand up and then he's like, I'm putting out a music album. Whatever he wanted to do Solid at this yeah. <laughs> At the same time he was doing, he would show up on a TV show, they would have the number one rating. And then he almost said, all right, I got kids now, I'm sick of it. And went over and just started doing his own shit. Yeah. Uh, but it's really funny how he owned that period. Uh, Richard Pryor, of course, right before that, he had a streak where he could just do all this stuff. So uh, for you now, it, have you hit where you're feeling like I'm doing the work I want to do? Or is there still shit that you've got down the road that you're looking at? No, there's still shit I definitely want to do down the road. You know, I uh, I never really saw myself even getting involved in uh, in acting or anything like that. I mean, I've always, uh, you know, saw myself just being like a writer and wanting to get behind the camera as a director. And kind of acting just took off because me and my buddies just didn't know any actors. And because David was kind enough to put me in all the real girls, like when it came time to do Foot Fist Way, I was just more experienced than any of my friends because I'd been in a movie that had cost 15 bucks. And so... <laughs> Uh, you know, so this whole journey has just been totally unexpected, and it's been awesome, and it's been eye-opening, and I've gotten to meet people that I've idolized, and it's been great. But uh, for me, I would love to just kind of continue to do what I'm doing, but also just you know push things creatively behind the camera as well. And you want to be that? You want the the own it all? I mean, you want to be the director, the writer, and you'd rather go smaller, or you know, you still look at the big Hollywood stuff. You know, I think it's uh, comedy is one of those things in Hollywood where I think it's, you know, if you really want to push things, I mm -hmm. think that it's probably, a, you know, you can probably push things for a longer amount of time if you do so with a reasonable budget and a responsible budget. You know, I think it's once you start getting them to invest in you and you, your price tag goes through the roof, uh, what you're doing has to connect 100% of the time. And for me, I think it's cool to make things that, you know, that take risks and are different than what's out there. And sometimes that doesn't always equal something that connects with an audience on a on a wide scale you don't mind you don't take that personal if one of the things doesn't work as well as the others uh, I don't take it personally because a lot of the things that I'm drawn to uh, aren't things that you know commercially have been you know have been successes across the board. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, I look at things like The Big Lebowski or Goodfellas, and these are things that were definitely influential on me when I was coming up. And those movies don't have humongous box office dollars mm -hmm. at the end of the day, and they're different and they're pushing things. And so to me, it's just like if you can make something that's just relevant, that's that's to me is what's the most interesting. Well, you know, Goodfellas is really funny because that is probably quoted more for comedy than 99% of comedies that have sure. been done. And I'm sure Scorsese didn't ever say we're going to set out to make a comedy. But something that Joe Pesci did with that 
that I don't I don't know if you'll ever go to a party the rest of your life you won't hear somebody quote that film. It, that movie is so incredible, and to me, those are the perfect type of films where it it, it is dramatic, it is hilarious, and right. it's real. It's uh, yeah, I love that movie. So there always does need to be that stress because your shit either the guy's either fucking up or there's some violence that could take place. I mean, even like you said, the foot was spread. There was some ugliness to that violence. It wasn't fun violence. Um, pineapple that was one ugly fight scene that yes. took place probably more <laughs> more realistic than 99 percent of fight scenes in movies and yeah. it's in a comedy it was i mean it was uh yeah i mean it was just david really wanted that fight to not be well choreographed like it was a born movie or something he wanted <laughs> to be really sloppy and all of us got fucking hurt in that scene right. and it took like a week to shoot and but yeah i mean i i think that to me personally, I find things much funnier when they're rooted in in, a, right. in, in reality. And I, I I'm weird, and I just I also like I think things are funny when they're just not trying to be funny. When things are borderlining, and my favorite moments in Eastbound are when the joke just kind of stops and it just is something really fucked up and dark. And it's like, what what are what are they trying to do in right. the show right now? <laughs> the long pause where he'll just stand and yeah. look at someone before he turns away. <laughs> Fuck this shit! I am done with it. <laughs> Also, I think some of the funniest stuff that you've done at, at Inner Voice is when he's trying to write this self-help book. One of them actually even went out. But f the one guy who shouldn't be helping anybody no. <laughs> is, has decided to give his wisdom. It's brilliant. Yeah, to us, that just kind of stemmed from it felt like you were seeing books written by everyone who just had been in front of a camera before. And it's like, right. these people have no business like sharing their story with anyone. And to us, it just felt like one of those other trappings of celebrity that was kind of fun to poke at. Well, that's the beauty of it is that they will give shows and books and albums to people who don't deserve it just because their name is reached. You know, Kim Kardashian can put out an album tomorrow because somebody will buy it. Yeah, or legally download it. Someone will. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so when this one comes out, uh, you're working with some great people now, too, some great kids in this. Uh, you got Aziz, Jesse Eisenberg, just coming off of an Academy Award nomination. Now you're working with him. Uh, I saw that kid actually do a high school play, like about, I don't know, eight, ten years ago. Oh, wow. And he was already Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Like the people, I mean, no one knows that he would get this large, but the people watching that play were like, this kid's always going to work. Yeah, I remember him sticking out my brain from seeing Roger Dodger and thinking like right. he has yeah he has definitely his own unique brand of comedy and just timing and interesting to watch and he's a great kid. I loved working with him at the time. The we did thirty minutes or less. The Facebook movie hadn't come out yet, but there was already tons of buzz surrounding it and a lot of buzz surrounding him. And you would have never known it. I mean, at all. I mean, he's such a humble, nice guy. He's great. Yeah, he's always kept it together. Um, I remember his little sister was the Pepsi uh, oh, yeah, girl, that's right. yep. and uh, the parents were—they just were those type of parents that knew how to keep the kids keep shit together. Yeah. Now Aziz, uh, he's completely off. He's—he's <laughs> he, lost his mind. Yeah, he goes in just the opposite. <laughs> how big can I get this? How many celebrities can I uh, collect? <laughs> he is like white people. He's lost his mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, someday I hope. That Indians get to be white people. That I hope everyone amazing. get this shot. Yes, I think so. Dude, it was so great to meet you. Congratulations on everything that's going down, man. You do deserve it. 30 Minutes or Less opens nationwide August 12th. Second season of Eastbound and Down now available in stores. 
Great to meet you, Danny McBride. Boom. Nice to meet you, too. Thanks See a lot for having me on. The Virus. The Ron and Fez Show. Undaunted, I knew the game was mine to win. Just like in life, all of my successes depend on me. I'm the man who has the ball. I'm the man who can throw it faster than fuck. So that is why I am better than everyone in the world. Kiss my ass and suck my dick. It's Ron and Fez show. Uh, getting ready to uh, wrap this up. Um, Danny McBride looks... Um, well, he didn't exactly come out and said that he was on the old team, that he's a veteran of the team. Mm-hmm. But he did kind of laugh off when I said, you seem like you got a little experience. Yeah. With some of those coked up scenes. Yeah. It's pretty uh, pretty accurate there, Danny. <laughs> he gets like a Kathleen from the Bronx look in his eyes like... <laughs> I've stepped up to the plate before, and I get it. Mm-hmm. Oh, without a doubt. Come on. Uh, Fezzi, you started the show so strong today. You were my go-to guy. Mm-hmm. The first 40. But you run out of that list of yours, and then you, you don't get back into it? Yeah, then I get all frozen up and screw everything up. You didn't screw up anything today. Do you realize that? No. What did you think you screwed up? Well, the fact that I ran out of stuff yet again. That's not a screw-up. Why don't you just say this? Remember... New thing, fuck you, Ronnie B. Mm-hmm. You want to say it? No, because that that is my fuck up. No, it's fuck you, so Watley. Say that's not going to help you though, is it? That's not going to put you over. You guys, you, can you say fuck you, Chris Stanley? That's difficult as well. Can you, can you say fuck you, Rob Cross? Fuck you, Rob Cross. I see. That's the thing. All right, that's the starting point. Um, we'll build. Don't start giggling like that, because then it's like the, he's in the tard, and he's not a tard. He's my my buddy. What's been going on, just on a personal level, Fezzi? What's something that's been in your in your cage? Um, fell asleep outside the other night. <sighs> park bench. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yep. Old man on a park bench. Was having some of the insomnia. Went outside to uh, just. Get some air, sat down on a bench, and ended up dozing off for what was weird. Not all that long, but seemed crazy when I woke up. Mm. (sighs) Well, at least you're on safe Roosevelt Island. So you're out in the middle of the night? Yeah. Sleeping on a park bench? Yeah. Oh, well, it was fun talking to you about it. Look who it is. It's my buddy, Jay Moore. Hey, Jay. (laughs) Be nice to my friend Fez, damn it. Hi, Ron. 
now we don't hear from you for a while now. Two days in a row, our friendship is rekindled. Well, yeah. Yesterday you put up the bat signal. Signal. Well, I sound like a drunk. Yesterday you put up the bat signal, and I, you know, I'm not going to not respond to you. And then today I called because I checked the iTunes charts. My podcast was number ten, and after I got up the phone with you guys and uh, Albert Manzo, it went up to number four. So that's the two hundred two friends kicking ass, taking names. Someone's calling. Thank everybody. So you literally get ratings as if you were in terrestrial radio with this. If you yes, if you go on iTunes and check podcast or comedy. Uh, they'll rank them in order in the top ten. All right, who's number one right now? It's always Mark Marin. All right, Mark Marin, who, let's face it, got there first. It was me. I debuted at number one. Uh huh. And for two weeks, I was number one. And then I kept looking at the iTunes uh, charts, and my wife came. She closed my laptop, and she looked at me, and she goes, Stop. I said, Why? She goes, there's no number above one. I'm not sure what you're looking for. It's really funny and sad. It's, I, I just can't <laughs> imagine what she deals with. But um, he kind of got the podcasting thing started. All right, who's the twos and threes in there? Uh, Joe Rogan's always up there, deservedly so. Also very early on with the podcast. And um, NPR is always up there. I think that's uh, cheating. Well... Oh, it's just comedy. It's usually uh, Mark Marin, number one. Aisha Tyler has a brand new one that debuted. She's up around in the top five. Me, Doug Benson, Joe Rogan, uh, Ricky Gervais is usually around nine or ten. Now, remember when Gervais used to brag that he had the biggest selling podcast in the history of the world, yeah. and he went to Guinness Book of World Record about it. Let's go. Oh, Adam Carolla. How did I forget that? Yeah, Adam that's... Carolla is always. All right, these are all strong names. Yeah, it's good company. And Pepper Hicks got the photo today. Oh, good. Stay hydrated. He wrote. Oh, that's beautiful. Good advice. You know what my wife said, Ronnie? She goes, "I wish he signed it, Chris Stanley. I wish you didn't tell him to write Pepper Hicks." Oh. You know what? She's getting no one. All right. There for you the go. other side. Now you yeah. guys, put, you putting it up on the wall somewhere behind glass? Sure. Perfect. Wow. I'll put it right next to the People's Choice Award. That's awesome. Thank you. What about that Cable Ace Award you got your eye on, Ronnie? How are things going with that? The Cable Ace Award, and to me it's the most prestigious <laughs> of all awards. It's up there with an Obie. Um, yeah. And that's for some of my off-Broadway work yeah, yeah. that I've done over the years. Now, John Biner has like six of these. Uh, yeah, John Biner, to me, John Biner... It you should know, be the Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. The Cable Ace Award is great. It's you know, one of the few awards that if you die, if you fell on it could kill you. Huh. Most yeah. of them would only hurt. This one actually could go right through you. Incredible. I, I, look, I don't know how I can politic for you or lobby for a Cable Ace for Ronnie B, but uh, you let me know, Ron. You I'd like to me. see you get a bloggy because you're doing a lot of blog work. <laughs> It might. I wish there was a bloggy. That'd be fun. You know. You know what's funnier than if there was a bloggy is how angry I would be if I didn't get it. Of course you would be. <laughs> it's so stupid. Like the things you don't even know are on the radar. You're like, wait a minute, I didn't get a bloggy nomination. Now, right now, you for the first time of your life, and hopefully the half the, the last time, you see Mark Marin as an enemy, and that didn't exist before you started your little podcast. You no, know, the thing with Mark is he's so angry. 
at everyone that he's no longer an adversary because I've realized uh, he's not angry at me. He's just angry. He right. just radiates hate for everything, for all of God's creatures, big and small, and all of the things on earth. So when you're around him, you go, I don't know why this guy has it out for me so bad. And then it took a while for me to realize, oh, no. I'm just in the. I'm just on the radar. He just hates in a 360 degree radius. Uh, so, see you know, now you I, see I, him as hate. I, when when I I did the unmasked show for him, I saw like a lot of pain there and a lot of he wants to be accepted. So I I kind of always pull for the guy. I'd like to see him get a little peace for himself. I wish and pray for peace for all sentient beings, like the Dalai Lama does, and I hope Mark does get it because you know what. Uh, you know, uh, you know me. I, I'll tell it like it is. Obviously, he's fucking funny as hell, man. Yeah, he's just a brilliant guy. And you're right. There's just some darkness that maybe he's working through or whatever. But I have no opinion on his personal stuff. I just know he's funny. He's got the number one. But he works super hard. I mean, this guy's globe trotting to get guests. He's got like Debbie Reynolds, Albert Brooks, and Albert Finney all in one podcast. And I'm sitting around with my wife in my garage. So you know, kudos to him. Well, you, uh, you're doing this thing out of your house? Yes, sir. Are you liking that? or Love it. I said to Kevin Smith, I don't want to go to a studio to do my podcast. It's a whole thing. I'm going to have to drive. It's a... I said, basically, I want a guy to come to my house with equipment, hand me a mic, and point. And he said, great. I'll have Matt Cohen show up Tuesday at 2 o'clock. And I was like, great. Done. And that's how it went. Mm. The new one's up today. I, did, I just thought of it just now. On iTunes. I don't know if it's on iTunes yet, but it comes out every Thursday. What's today's going to be about? Uh, we're about four weeks ahead, so I forget, but I know it was my wife, me, my wife, and comedian Tom Segura sitting around talking a lot about hoarders and uh, talking a lot about a lot of nonsense. It's, it's basically, the. it seems to be we go super serious, like telling stories, like auditioning for Jerry Maguire, like a serious hour and a half. Uh, monologue about how I got it and the confluence of events, and then the next week will be like batshit crazy nonsense, and then the next week will really like break down comedy. If, is it an art? Is it an art form? And you, uh, you're always going to work with your wife on these? Uh, no, just sometimes, you know. Because had you guys, I mean, it's kind of unusual to be able to actually do stuff with her, right? Because separate careers. Well. She's one of the funniest people mm -hmm. I know, and she, her reference, her uh, map of references is way broader than mine. Like, I can go ocean to ocean, but she can go around the globe. Uh, so it's fun to do. We produce a lot of stuff together. We're pitching shows. We're out there hoofing it. But, you know, she she stopped doing showbiz to be a mom, so she's she's available <laughs> to be on a podcast at all times. And she said, uh, one of the podcasts, she sat in with me and Barry Katz. We had this long conversation about stand-up. And then she came in to say something at the end. And she said, I said, my wife's joining us. And she goes, yeah, the podcast, I guess, needed a token clam. So that was her first. It's like Neil Armstrong landing on the moon. Those are her first words in podcast land. Uh, here's uh, Andrew. Andrew, you're on the air. Hey, Ronnie B. Uh, I don't want to start no shit, but uh, did, Jay, did you listen to Opie and Anthony yesterday at all? Uh, you were talking about Amish girls? Oh, they said the Amish girls all look like me, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. 
But you called to start shit anyway. You did call to start shit. And by the way, I grew up around Amish girls, and I found them all to be very attractive. They all look like Jay. Yeah, I heard it. Um, I heard it on the radio, and then I did Love Blind last night. And the guys that wait in the parking lot for you to sign like fourteen-year-old photos of yourself, they go, "Hey, did you hear what Opie Anthony said about you yesterday, man?" Like this is unbelievable. It's midnight in Culver City. And guys are starting shit in the parking lot. <laughs> but I'm glad Andrew checked in. Ronnie, you said something very cool when you were interviewing David Brenner, and that's hard to do because I think David Brenner. Well, like I said. You said to David Brenner, if a kid's super funny at a young age, you don't say, hey, let's put him in the gifted program. He seems to be really funny. Right. I just thought that was amazing. Yeah, it was. And I actually, I had to go, I forgot who I went over with, but I'm like, they'll never tell you, like, your kid is funny on an 11th grade level. But some kid, like, I have a nephew now who's, like, this really funny, but... One of those kids that, like, during the, the fucking class wants to get up and go talk to somebody yeah. or whatever. He gets okay grades, but they're, like, really pushing the, maybe we need to dope him down. Oh, no. And I'm like, you really don't know what this guy need, is going to do for a life. You know what I mean? Like, that could be perfect creativity stuff. And not just if he's going to be in show business, but... You know, the whole world now, you're trying to think of fucking ad campaigns and yeah, marketing. And maybe he's the perfect mind for that, but school doesn't catch on to it. <laughs> How old is this guy? He's like six years old, but really tall for his age, so he annoys, you know what I mean? <laughs> but is also, you know, and he's got his mom weirded out. So m my latest thing is that I sent him the message, because he, he digs Spider-Man, and I'm like, hey, dude... Sometimes, you know, you get to be Spider-Man, but the other times you got to pretend that you're Peter Parker and fucking fit nice. in. Nice. But I uh, want to teach him not to trust fucking authority, but at the same time, try to act like you're with them. Yeah, you got to play the game. You can't get out of here without playing the game. Yeah, you're going to have to, you know, fucking hand in the test. You can't get beyond. you got another fucking 13 years to hand in the test. Which is crazy when you think about it. It is absurd. And I wish somebody, I had an uncle like you, when they got me to algebra and they told me I was going to use it for the rest of my life. And yeah, I, knew, right. I knew at 14 years old, there's no way I'm adding letters as a grown-up. This is absurd. Uh, but if they had said to me, look, this is crazy. Uh, you're never going to need it, but you can't get out of here without it. But if you dial in, it is kind of a neat way to make your mind work. Then I would have been all over it. I remember being very early on, it was like first grade or something, and I said to the teacher, I said, why do you get to be the one that gets to talk all the time? But <laughs> why, you know, is there ever going to be a, a chance for any of us to stand at the front of the room and talk about different subjects? And they, it really is that kind of weird thinking that that kid's never going to fucking fit in the regular world. Good. Never. You know? Here's what stands out to me about your story, Ronnie, is that when you asked it, I'm going to guess you weren't being a smartass. No. You were genuinely wondering because you had a very logical brain that superseded your, your biological age, and you were genuinely curious, how does this, what's the paradigm here of success? And yet, they look at you, they're just like, just shut the fuck up. I'm ADD. They almost say we hate you at a very early age. Yes, they came very close to saying it to me many, many, many we times. We fucking hate you here at this school. <laughs> oh. Um, by the I way... I remember teachers telling me, 
get out, and I would say, oh, man, I can't go to, like, I've been to the principal's office, like, twice already that week, and I remember a history teacher, a Spanish teacher, and a French teacher, in one week, they all said the same thing. They said, you don't have to go to the principal's office. You can roam the halls for all I care. Just get out. Could you do your impressions really early, though? I could imitate, move, like, I, could, I remember I would repeat Stripes, and I, I think I said this in my Unmasked, so forgive me. I remember, like, when I saw Stripes, I was eight or nine, and I remember I knew the entire movie by heart because it was funny and it was important, and I needed to share it with other people. So I could imitate, you know, Bill Murray and John Larroquette asking the girls to wash their tits as best as an eight-year-old could. But uh, it was it, probably my teens I started doing. It. My first impression was Andrew McCarthy. Like, I always did weird people. Right. <laughs> yes. You never do a mainstream impression. No. But it's really funny because my nephew is obsessed with Bill Murray. Like, Dr. Venkman. He just calls him <laughs> Dr. Peter Venkman. Yeah. He's just like, this fucking guy's the shit. Have you seen him? I'm going, yeah, I've seen him around. He's pretty good. <laughs> this, yeah, you should, you should play dumb and go, I don't know, little man. Tell me about this up and comer you discovered. Bankman, you gotta check him out. He's really fucking strong. Great timing. Uh, Jack in Chicago wants to talk about Jay's podcast. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. Hey, Jay Moore's. Just want to say how much I love your podcast, man. I can't believe you put that out for free. That's a wonderful thing. Thank you, brother. It's uh, it's very fun to do, and the fact that a guy in Chicago is listening to it, it makes me happy, man. It really mm -hmm. does. No, you're you're hilarious, dude. I fucking love that. I can't wait every day when it comes out on Thursdays. I love it. All right, great. That's awesome, bro. You know what's funny, Ronnie, is I'll say on the podcast, like, you know, you could be at an elliptical at a Holiday Inn Express in Husky, Ohio, and, and every week someone will tweet me, I am literally on an elliptical at a Holiday Inn Express in Sandusky, Ohio. And I'm like, I don't think these people are lying because I'll go on their profiles. It's just too, like, people in the military, like in Afghanistan, they're like, hey, man, I got a bunch of guys crowded around a laptop in Kabul. Just thanks a lot. I'm in Australia. I'm in New Zealand. I'm in England. I'm in Scotland. I got transferred to a job in Thailand. Thanks a lot. Just everyone listening in their car. It's, I guess it's it's really no different from what you're doing, except you do it way better <laughs> for much longer. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like, <clears throat> the thing is, we just can't get the one guest, and that'll be it for that hour a week. It's the, the real thing. And I, I'm glad, because I think it makes more sense. And I actually, and I'm not even supposed to talk about it, but I'm sure this company is paying attention to the podcasting stuff and looking to slice off smaller pieces. But I think it's crazy. Like here, Fezzi came in today. He had 48 minutes that he felt like being here. And the other 312, he's feeling bad about himself. He should just be here for the 48. Yeah, that makes sense. Why feel bad about yourself? Don't, don't. Spend the rest of the time don't. getting a fucking snow cone. Why well, do you love snow cones? <laughs> when the good humor guy came, what was your favorite ice cream? For real. I always <laughs> liked a screwball. It I was kind of like a sherbet thing and then had a gumball gum at the bottom. Yes, the gumball at the bottom. I love, no, Ronnie, it was amazing because the gumball, whatever paint. Sour. They put on the, whatever gumball they put, whatever paint they put on the gumball would come off the gumball and mix in with the slushy sherbet. Right, Fuzzy? Yeah, yeah. See, this is what's wrong with you fucking guys. I grew up near water ice. The fucking real deal. Thai ices. 
an Italian man bringing you water ice, not some slushy, fucking overly sweet, sour piece of shit with a gumball at the bottom of them. And those things started like rock hard before they got slushy. Oh, yeah, because they were, not only was it an old piece of gum, it was a now frozen old piece of gum. Um... You know what's weird is my good humor guy would come by and he would yell, Hats for sale! Hats for sale! What was the joke? Just like, I- irony? Uh, no, I remember Fez had an obsession with that book. Uh, oh, that, oh that, yeah, that was, that was a book that terrified me when I was a kid. I think I would have just beaten Ronnie B at a Ron and Fez trivia game. Uh, believe me, this fucking thing is beyond... You could probably bring up a lot of things about Fez I wouldn't remember. Hey, Fez. Yes. How are the Bucks going to finish this year? Uh, I'm thinking nine and six. Nine and nine six. And skip one of the games? Was there a fucking tie? Oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm projecting, uh, yeah, that we lose a game, that there's another lockout. Nine, uh, nine and seven. One. All right. I love you guys. So See you, brother. Okay, see you, Pat. Thanks. Bye, Jay. All right, everyone check out his uh, podcast on the Apple iTunes. Let's push it back to number one. That's right. Thursday is the day. I don't care what Owen A say. I don't know if he looks like an Amish girl. Don't listen to that. All right, that is it for us. Ron Bennington, Fez Watley, and the nine and six. Tampa Bay Buckaroos. Uh, we need to promote anything for tonight? Nothing. Jersey Shore. No, not after Snooky wouldn't walk in here. Not sure, yeah. Well, fuck that show. Russian dolls all the way. Big Brother vote off. Who's getting voted off? Uh, Lawan. I don't know. A lot happens that you don't see on TV. A lot of swing back today. Could go either way. What do you got there? Oh, Jesus. Uh, but that's it. We'll see you guys back in here on the good foot for the Friday show. Tomorrow is the Senna interview, too. That's A right, lot of well, people have been asking when we're going to have them on Senna tomorrow. It's a great new documentary awesome. about the life and times of a man who drove Formula One. Uh, that's the end of my show. Dong. Satellite of love. Satellite of love. Satellite of
Thank you for listening to today's Ron and Fez show. 